What is up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show for you guys today. We'll be talking about some unfortunate injuries and uh, departures in the NBA this week. We had Jamal Murray sidelined now for the rest of the season and probably a large portion of next season after tearing his ACL this week. We'll talk about what those implications are for the uh, Denver Nuggets. Also, Brooklyn got some bad news as well. Marcus Aldridge announcing his retirement, a very sudden announcement following an issue with an irregular heartbeat. He had put together a very um, heartfelt post on social media. So we'll also um, break down what that means for Brooklyn. Big news in college basketball, man. And it's it's uh, it hits home for me as a Gonzaga fan because the assistant, Tommy Lloyd, who has been Mark Few's right-hand man over in Spokane, has taken the job to be the head man in Arizona. So we'll talk about the domino effect that that's going to um, that that's going to cause in the wet, on the West Coast in college basketball. And then we'll talk some NFL uh, draft stuff. Justin Fields had his second pro day this week. The Niners were there. Um, there seems to be more smoke that maybe the Niners are really, really interested in Justin Fields. I saw Richard Sherman was talking about how you know he still can't believe it won't be Justin Fields, which I thought was interesting this week. So plenty of stuff to get to on the podcast. I'm excited to have Kendall with me today, and, and before the podcast, and we always tell the, the joke on this podcast, Kendall, that sometimes the pre and post show of the podcast, particularly the post show, which is not obviously recorded, it's just us chatting uh, for the time after we finish recording, it's sometimes better than the actual podcast, and uh, I always say we should just record <laughs> that portion of it, because it's usually really good, but um, but this is actually one of those rare moments where I actually think we, you know, we were just talking about stuff uh, regarding the NBA playing tournament. And the conversation we had was going so well, and we got a little bit of a late start in recording this pod, that I figured we should just kind of bring it into the conversation we were just having. So, of course, Kendall again, my co-host. Uh, Kendall, you you made it uh, aware to me, which I found interesting, that you were just reminded that the play-in tournament in the NBA is actually a thing that's going to happen this season. That you you just learned about this, like, last month. And, of course, the Celtics um, are going to be, uh, you know, you know, greatly evolved or at least you you had just remember you were reminded of you didn't you didn't realize yeah that yeah yeah but yeah i would say around the ultra break you know or a little bit before the ultra break you know that was that was when i uh because again that's when the the the, that's when you get close to the playoffs obviously that's when i was i was reminded that the play on tournament is going to be a thing um which i like said i forgot about and then when i when i heard that was a thing and i you know i i assumed that the playing tournament was going to be similar to what we got last year. I knew it was going to be seven through ten, but I figured out oh, seven through ten, like what is going to be seven plays ten, eight plays nine, for the for the seven eight seeds, and that it's going to be the, you know, seven seed gets two chances uh, at a win, um, and the eight seed gets two chances at a win against the nine seed. But I figured out this week uh, watching again. Um, I believe it was a uh, might have been a, a TNT game. Uh, on Tuesday, um, I figured out this week. I think it was that it, it was that uh, Pacers uh, Pacers Clippers game. I believe that was on TNT. They were showing uh, a graphic of the of the current standings in the playoff picture, and it showed that the the seven seed is actually playing the eight seed, and that the nine seed is actually playing the ten seed, mm-hmm. uh, and that the winner of the seven eight uh, is going to play the, is going to be the seven seed that plays the two seed, and then the winner of the Nine ten plays the loser of the seven eight, and that those two teams play for the right to play the one seed uh, in the playoffs. So something I didn't know. Something you know, um, 
you know, our, our dad didn't know who follows the NBA very closely. And something, something that I didn't uh, know until we were talking. Yeah, our younger show. brother, Henry. <laughs> yeah, something EJ didn't know until five minutes ago. Like, <laughs> that, all four of us follow the NBA very closely. Like, religiously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, religiously, every day. And none of us had any idea that that was – we knew that, that – we all knew there was going to be a tournament because that's mm-hmm. the way the standings are playing out. I mean, our brother Henry's a Pelicans fan. You know, right now they're, they're, yeah, so he's, they're play, he's clinging on with their right life right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, obviously you guys are Knicks fans. I'm a Celtics fan, very much in the mix. So we knew there was going to be a playing tournament, but we had no idea of the format. And yeah. that, that to me, that's a problem, you know, for the NBA, from an NBA, you know, communications and PR standpoint. How that was, how that hasn't been drilled into the into the people's heads since the get go, since the start of the season. You know, to me, that, that that's a mistake. Yeah, it's really bizarre. I mean, and then when I started, when we were talking about it, I started kind of just doing research and kind of Googling around. And it feels like most, I mean, I, maybe there was something that was posted in December and January that I just don't remember. But it feels like most of, like, the, like, the posts from the league and articles from the league about this playing tournament and it being explained seem to start around March, which is around the time that you say that you... <laughs> <laughs> we're realizing that this is how this was going to go. And I don't know. I don't, again, it's all, every, all living during the pandemic all feels like a blur. I don't know if this was a thing where, oh, they knew before the season that there was going to be a playing tournament, but they didn't figure out the parameters until March. Like, I don't, I don't, that sounds almost implausible, but it is weird that I, I don't see any articles that detail exactly how this was going to go down when the season started. Like, I, 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 those articles don't exist, it seems like. Um, yeah, it was a, to be clear to everybody. It is like it was like a five minute, ten minute search. So someone who does who's better at Google than me may find it and say, "Ah, oh, EJ, you're an idiot." Maybe I am. I'm just saying the quick search I did. I didn't see anything about this. So I agree. I think that it, it is bizarre to me that there it hasn't been. Um, I think that one, the league, you're right. Their communication on like the rules of the season hasn't haven't been nearly as crystal as they need to be, considering you're upending how teams make the playoffs like this is not a, this is not a minor thing you know it affects four teams out of the 16 teams that make the playoffs this is not just whatever so um and you know for the most part i think most people understood okay you want to get in the top six but uh but even sometimes when i'm looking at standings on websites or i'm watching games they're showing standings a lot of these networks even they're showing especially because we have league pass i mean they're showing like they're cutting off the line at eight and I'm like, no, you can't do that. You got to cut the line off at 10 because you're not – while they've they've announced that when you're – see, it's funny. Like, I learned some things about – I know some things about the tournament, but then some things I don't know. But I do know that, like, if you make 9 or 10 or you don't, quote, unquote, make the field of 16, I guess, you're not a playoff team. Like, you go to the lottery. It's not like, oh, well, you made the playoffs, but you just came short. So it's not really a playoff expansion. At least that's not how they would describe it. So – I don't know. I just feel like all so that part has been kind of clear to me, but I feel like even the presentation from uh, sports networks that have been airing games and this is local, it's national, it's everybody, hasn't necessarily been the greatest. And you know, and what's ironic is you said like you know we're all, you know I watch the Knicks on a night, almost nightly basis. You watch the Celtics on an almost nightly basis, uh, and our other brother Henry watches the Pelicans on an almost nightly basis, and my dad also watches the Knicks. On a regular basis, and like like those teams are one hundred percent in the mix. Like you would think that 
that's that will be talked about at this point in the season like every day. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't. Like they don't like and I love shout out to MSG, shout out to everyone at MSG. They do a great job. I still think they're the best local broadcast in the in the NBA. But even they don't really explain like what happens if the Knicks don't make the top six, but they're in the top ten, which is now almost like I don't want to say guaranteed, but it, it's so it, like it's pretty much they're gonna be in the top ten. Yeah. Um the East is so packed that could they actually be tenth? Yes, because that's how packed the East is. But um but the eleventh team is so far down that like it's like a five things like a five game difference. So like once you get past ten, it's like I mean, it would take a miracle or a really f- a terrible free fall to like not make the top ten at least. And I don't feel like the the the, the MSG broadcast like really like explains it all that much. And maybe it's like wishful thinking, like you don't want to talk about something that maybe it won't happen because you don't want to be in that top ten. And the Knicks and the Celtics, both of those teams have great chances of not being in the top uh, six, rather. I mean, uh, the last four, rather. Um, so maybe you know that's part of it, but it is weird how that has all shaken out, and it kind of and. It, maybe this is a super delayed reaction, but like when you told me that, I know you said you're a fan of the rules. I'm not as crazy about them. I don't know. I feel like if you're like a ninth or tenth seed, I feel like you should have to win. I know you still do have to win two games, but I don't know. I just don't like how this plays out to me. Like I don't. I, I think that I feel like you should have to beat a team that was better than you twice. That's how I. I, I liked how they did it last year. Where I know that's not in that the way they did last year isn't really a play in tournament. Um, but to me, that would have felt more what they did last year is essentially what baseball has done before last season. Um, where it's just about playing game basically with that. Like, I, I but they kind of remixed it by you know making the, the lose the team that's lower win two games. I, I was fine with that being the rule now that it's you know. I, the, the wrong team can get hot, and then you win two games, and then now you're in the playoffs. My biggest issue? I don't know. You're playing two different yeah. opponents. Like, I, I guess that's the thing for me, is that you, you play a bad opponent, technically, to get the chance to be the, a, a better opponent who's had a better season. That part, I don't really understand. My my issue with it is more so, I think the, the, the biggest loser in this rule is the, is the two-seed, because... If you're the two seed, there is you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to theoretically or it, really it's the it's the one seed you're gonna have to prepare for three different teams, four different you're gonna have to prepare for all four teams if you're the one seed. So, um, because you know any one of those teams if they lose could lose any one of those teams could have to face you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're if you're the one seed in this scenario and you know the one seed in the west we would assume would be utah mm-hmm. philly possibly in the east like or brooklyn in the east is one of, one of yeah it's very close obviously in the east but right now you know it would be philly like that's you know it, it, brooklyn obviously i agree they would have yeah. I, I, I think yeah. brooklyn they, they just like yeah, Brooklyn, I, don't care. Baker, I don't care who you put in the court. We're, we're sweeping you. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to stop Rob. Yeah. You know? um, but Philly, more importantly, like, or Utah, like, they, they, I think they would like to know and have time to prepare. You know, now you have to put each, you know, each assistant on a certain team. Like, it's, like, it's, 
you know, Mark college Madness. basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's March Madness, and oh, we're gonna have to play. We might have to play one of these four teams at some point. So get the get the advanced scouting ready. Like that to me, that that's the team that loses out the most in this. Now, again, you could wind up facing a team that was the ten seed, which right. is, I guess, in theory, better. But what if that ten seed was a team that you know had gave injury? You pro- gave you but now gave, the guys gave you problems. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they would have typically played them. So, yeah, you know, there's so many. Or like you just said, they just, they just got hot, you know, like, right. and they weren't normal, like UCLA in the NCAA tournament. They're not a normal 10 seed. Uh, so, yeah, this is um, – that's there, there are issues with it. But in terms of getting the best eight teams in each conference, this is a good way of doing it. This is a, this is a good way of doing it. Do, do, yeah, I mean – If you, don't, if you can't – you can't win two games if you're the seven or eight seed. I'm not complaining. You can't win one game, really. If you're the seven or eight seed, I'm not gonna complain that you uh you uh the playoffs. Um, yeah, this is, this is where it's at. You mean you have your chance? Like this isn't. I know some of those teams are upset, but just win those games. You know, like the Memphis Grizzlies couldn't cry last year. They, they should have been the eight seed, but they lost mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. You know, so I what yeah. The, I mean, Jaron Jackson getting hurt was unfortunate, and that didn't help them. But ultimately, like that means that they would have they would have done worse <laughs> against the Lakers mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not I'm not complaining. Um, I will. I did feel like I, this kind of it th- like these views and me learning about the playoff does kind of um. It does kind of make me feel a little differently about Doncic and Cuban this week, but I still, I still don't like hearing from them complaining about the playing tournament. Like, yeah, no, you yeah. knew you knew there's gonna be a playing tournament for the season. Uh, yeah, and you know, Doncic, Don, yeah, Doncic's issue is oh, you may lose two in a row and you're out of play. I mean, regardless of what the the, the formatting is, you knew that was gonna be the case. You knew that was. That if you lost two games in play before, you were gonna be out. That that we all knew, regardless of who you play and things like that. Um, so to me, like I'm sorry, I don't want to hear you complaining about rules that you knew were gonna be implemented, and then you're complaining because you're gonna be a part of them most likely. But that's just always. Yeah, he be. wouldn't be complaining if his team was a three seed. No, we wouldn't have heard anything yeah. from him or Cuban or no. or or Dodgers. There's no chance and. Because no. the odds of them making the sixth seed is not impossible. I mean, they're only one exactly. game back. They play great ball, by the way. I know we we hammered them early in the season, and they've been phenomenal. And Doncic has, you know, once again continued to play well. Porzingis, he's been in on the lineup as he always is, but when he's played, he's played pretty well lately as well. Mark Cuban had said early in the season he wasn't concerned because they had virus issues, and he was like, once those get figured out and we have a chance to play, we'll be better. And he was right. right. He was right. Yeah, he was right because they they're playing, they play phenomenal ball now for about two months in a two two straight months, two three straight months, and a team that looked like they might not make the playoffs is now firmly in. You know, there there's no way they're gonna miss it. Um, but yeah, I don't like hearing that. Like, I don't like. Sorry, like you knew the rules. Uh, no one wants to hear about a team complaining about the rules after they've been set and you knew about them, and now you're a part of it. Like, it's not my fault that you may be part of this thing. You can't make these excuses now that you weren't making months ago. So, 
I wasn't crazy about that at all, hearing about that. Um, I just thought that was whack, you know, from, from Cuban and, and Donchis. Uh, and Donchis is starting to get a reputation as a complainer. Some of it, I think, is <laughs> overblown and a little ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, he's he's cut from a similar cloth as, you know, your average European soccer player, you know? Like, Ronaldo's yeah. a complainer. Yeah. Messi's a complainer. You know, Neymar is a huge complainer. You know, like that that's the that's the culture that he grew up in. So um not it's not a it's not a surprise. Uh you know, I mean And he and in some ways because then the question because then the, the question I'll have is but like it's not like a lot of European guys have a reputation of being complainers, what makes him different. But I would I think you made a good analogy. Like like you think like a, a Ronaldo or like a Messi, like the guys who are like, you know, Superstar that eighteen years old, superstar, um, yeah, you know, but like, superstar like finesse type of players right, playing professionally like, against guys way older than them since they've been young. Like those are the guys that yeah. on the pitch nowadays they yeah, conduct he, themselves like prima donnas. He's different than Nikola Jokic. Yeah, yeah he's he, different he, than no Jokic. I mean, he's different than even Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, like it's just yeah. a different. Even those guys, even guys that are drafted super high, like it's it's different with Doncic. He's a he's a great. He's cut from a different yeah. cloth, and. When you think of like those athletes, he's played for Real Madrid since he was thirteen. He's been in the right. system since he was thirteen. Yeah, so, so like yeah. some of the some of the so some of like the antics on the court and the stuff. What we asking for calls? Like, that's, no. that's what happens. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's like I was just watching, you know, PSG play Bayern, Bayern Munich in the Champions League this week. Like it's the same stuff, you know. Yeah, it, it is. It, I mean, that's what you're gonna get. Yeah, exactly. So that's not too surprising, but I mean. You know these comments are certainly going to not are going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, in our like American kind of culture, like it's not it's not kosher to like complain about that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's why which why which why I don't know what the hell Cuban was talking about. I mean, unless Cuban wanted to defend his guy, which maybe that could have been some of this. Uh, he may know that it's garbage what he's doing, but he's like, oh my guy's doing it, then can't lose him. So I gotta just you know <laughs> go with it. I gotta just go, you know. Know go with the ship, I guess in this in this regard. But look, man, if if I knew all I'd do is lose to Steph Curry once, and I may not be in the playoffs, I mean, I'm sure that's that's causing concern for Dallas. I think they thought maybe Steph Curry had to beat them twice, or they might not even see him. You know, if they were like us, where they didn't know the rules, like uh, like totally in terms of how this was gonna go. Now the way it's shaking out, you're like, wait a minute, so Steph Curry could beat the Spurs and then beat us once, and now he's in and we're out. Like, yeah, and you know. You might want you might have to take care of the Grizzlies in that first game if you don't want to get in that position because that uh, certainly could stack up. Do you feel like um, again the West? I feel like is pretty. I feel like the the West is pretty solid for five teams, pretty much being the top five. And then you get to like who's going to be the one team that gets to that six spot. Do you feel like Portland, who has that position right now, will they're clinging on to it by a game? Do you think they'll be able to hold on? Um, I, I, I would assume that Portland should be able to hang on to that six spot, but it's close. Um, you know, I mean, they, we were talking not, about they have not played good ball recently. They have not. Yeah, tough, tough loss um, against the Celtics uh, on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it, neither team has like played great, but the Norman Powell, Gary Trent trade, I, I think, you know. It, 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 I feel like Gary Trent is, is, is a better prospect in that trade. 
with the way he's played. Um, I also feel like it just seems to me like, you know, even if we could argue about who's the better player, and their numbers are just that Powell may be better right now. But I almost feel like a trade yes. like that almost just, like, you know, bucks up the locker room. Just, like, the, yeah. the chemistry and what you created. Like, like Powell is not, like, completely dissimilar from Trent, but then they don't necessarily do the exact same thing. Uh, so it's not like he's played poorly since he's got there, but sometimes just yeah, throwing a guy in the mix and not, not having the guy that you had all year, sometimes that, that that's enough to really throw things off. And I feel like that's a little bit of what we've seen from, um, from Portland. Portland's thing continues to be that they don't play defense. Like that's like when, to me, when they're really struggling, it's because they're not stopping anybody. And that's kind of what I feel like we've seen from them in recent weeks. Yeah, one twenty-two yeah. to Utah, one thirty-three to, to the Clippers, one sixteen is, well, is actually kind of normal now for the NBA. But one sixteen to Boston last night, um, you know, that's what's going to happen. One twenty-seven to Milwaukee, like, and it's they're, they're, it's so like and they're, they're people who feel like they have a really high ceiling, but that's means always thing that kind of comes down. And Dallas, ironically, has actually turned into a pretty good defensive team this year after starting terribly. And again, I remember I buried them for how terrible their defense has been. They've actually played pretty good defense for the last uh, couple of months. Yeah, I mean, with, with Portland, I mean, when like they knew, they, I mean, I know you know, you you warned me when the Celtics got Ennis Cantor, like, yo, man, the defense is gonna is gonna take a hit. Yeah, uh, and I saw it. And I mean, Portland now they knew what they were getting themselves into, unlike the Celtics uh, and the Knicks. But yeah, yeah, yeah. they've had it before. Yeah, they had him before, and he—I mean, he had a thirty, yeah, 30 rebounds. rebounds. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, like he, they know the—they know the the positive, but that was against Detroit, you know. But it, <laughs> he came to the playoffs. I mean, and he's playing—he's playing starters minutes for them. Um, you know, I don't know. That's that's gonna be the question. So, yeah, yeah, Portland—they have their issues. Uh, ultimately, I mean, the season's winding down. About a month to go. Um, they could be caught. There's a lot—a lot of time. But There's only one game, yeah. This is this is. A I think the Lakers. Uh, that that's really the question. Are the Lakers safe? And, and I think they are. The Lakers, man. Shout out to uh, shout out to um, Fogel. Fogel. Yeah. I mean, I think we all. I think we all thought. I think we all thought they would be very wary without Brian and AD, and they've been yeah. steady during this stretch. They yeah. they've you know they're not winning every game, but they're winning the games they have to, the games that they should. Yeah, they're playing, we were going, they're playing we, excellent defense during this stretch. And we went through that schedule. We were like, I mean, this they're going to win some of these just because the NBA, but this they might. They're like, they, they might not be favored in any of these games coming yeah, up. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and they, they, they've, they've, they obviously they're not the same team, but like you said, they, they've been, they've stabilized, they've dominated some. Of these. Yeah, they, they've beaten the team they're supposed to beat. Which is important, and they've had they sprinkle in some games that hey, they've the been Nets able by, to beat. That's by twenty five points, you know. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, even I mean, I think even winning at, at Charlotte on the road, not necessarily the game I would have thought you were going to just get. That's you have to. Yeah, we didn't pencil that in. They were they, they were just on like a what, six seven game road trip, and and now it's the last one that they got. So yeah, they've really, you know, they're not playing the greatest ball, but I mean, I think people expected a free fall. We haven't gotten that, so. They're staying now the schedule now AD may be tough. coming back soon. That was the word we got today. Right. Yeah, I mean they've got obviously they're playing Boston right now as we're mm-hmm. recording, but then they've got Utah back to back and Dallas back to back. So I mean, 
But AD maybe I not. expect AD to win two of those five. And if yeah, if AD gets back, then that, that certainly will help as well. I don't think they need to rush him back, personally. With the way they're playing, they, it, like, if things got close, then yeah, you can bring him back. But right now, like... I mean, I, I almost I feel like... Re- I mean, I don't... You, you're, you're, they shouldn't rush him for any reason. But I almost feel like he's been out for so right. long. It might not be rushing him at this point. It might just be he's Fair back. Enough. You know, like he, he yeah, give him limited minutes. He, get him they, I mean, they have not. They have. I mean, he's been out for a long time. They have not just like shoehorned him like right into the lineup like at a time where they were struggling. Like they put him. In, they they seem like they're gonna put him in when he's ready. And if he's ready, I guess against Utah, they're ready against Utah. You could argue maybe is that game a little is is that too much? Is that, is that series too intense? Yeah, high intensity. Yeah. To drop him into that. Maybe, but okay, I'm gonna drop him against Dallas. I mean, I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting until April 28th against Washington just for the sake of easing them back in. I mean, the schedule is very light. You got Washington, Sacramento, Toronto. I mean, these are all NBA guys, you know? Yeah, Orlando's in there. But I mean, like, they're all NBA guys. Like, at the end of the day, he's still playing against great athletes. So I, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how you would work that out. And I think there probably is some. There probably is some imperative to want to get him on the court at home too, you know. Because yeah. after these next three games, is another you know four game road trip. Yeah. Uh, yeah in that, terms of be... in terms of the East, the East is you know a much more complicated kind of beast to uh, to figure out because the three te- there's three teams who will definitely not be part of this scenario: the Sixers, the Nets, and the Bucks. But then after that. You go from. I think you're gonna four, see Detroit. Oh well, <laughs> the, Detroit and Orlando, and probably Cleveland won't be in this either. But in terms of the teams that are like you know, as far as that teams that are in the playoffs, yes, uh, just the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks. After that, four through the thing is four through nine is super tight. Chicago, the tenth seed, but they, they, I mean, boy, talk about. I mean, I know we're kind of on tangent, but again, this is how we do these podcast the chicago bulls look awful they made that trade yeah. now you know levine's got to go into uh covid quarantine so he may miss some he's gonna miss some games certainly lucevich has been a mess yeah they haven't worked out well first of all i i really didn't believe they were going to actually try to play lucevich and market it together like that to me is crazy yeah but they didn't have i mean <laughs> i think they i think they wanted to try to trade Marking in, but they, I guess they couldn't. I don't know. This, that, that, that whole situation. I mean, the, getting Vucevic, I understood. I don't like that they didn't, really didn't seem to do any supplementary moves to make the rest of the roster work. And now we're seeing. And they got Daniel Tice too. So then it was like we're getting three. Yeah, Tice right? is in there. It, it's it's a really weird. It's it's not the best constructed thing. I feel like the Bulls like next year they may be okay. I think this year it's just like. Just get to the finish line. Like this doesn't work. We know we gotta fix some things, but we got some pieces that we like. But um, but really four through nine is super packed between the the Hawks at four, and the 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 Pacers at nine. Is just a three and a half game difference from being literally the fourth place team and the ninth place team. So between there, the Hawks, Celtics, Knicks, Heat, Hornets, and Pacers in that order. I, I mean. I feel like Boston is really stabilizing, and they're they are to me without question the most talented team of these. Right, high ceiling, walls. Yeah, so I think that they will make it. 
Atlanta is probably playing the best. Yes. And Nate McMillan is doing a great job, which... He's a great coach. <laughs> he's a great coach. I, like I told you, I was a little surprised that it's working only because he, he doesn't seem to be anything that Atlanta wanted when they talked about what they should do with Lloyd Pierce. But I, but I told you that I think he might have been what they needed. And maybe that's why it's I mean, working. Look, you, were the, you, were, you were the one, you know, that was saying that, you know, shout out to Lloyd Pierce, but, you know, you thought they were talented there. You know, that, oh yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I mean, I didn't miss better job. I mean, I thought last season there was something wrong in Atlanta. I, you know, I and Laura Pierce is, seems like a great guy. He's done amazing stuff in the community, and you know, we don't. I'm not. I never sit here clamoring for you to get fired, but we watched them last year, and just I know they were super young, but there was no reason for them to look just sometimes as inept as they looked. And in this season. You know, the long stretches they had where they looked so inept still, even though they had even more talent, it just didn't make any sense. And sometimes sometimes it's the coach, but it's not the coach. Like, sometimes it, it is the coach's thing, but sometimes, oh, these guys aren't listening to this guy. Like, they're, like regardless of whether that guy's a good coach right. and good man, yeah. sometimes it's just these guys don't listen to that guy. So what are you going to do? You can't get rid of all the players. So um, so they so they made a switch and that's worked out because again I, I would argue they're playing the best and the record suggests they are but I mean they were not in the fourth seed, um, you know a month ago they were you know down there in eight and nine and ten now they they've shot up there and that's kind of how this whole thing is gone we've seen the Knicks in that spot we've seen the Heat in that spot the Heat has just been the most you know for lack for no oh, no point in ten the most bipolar team you know yeah. in the NBA literally lose six win six like it, there's just no <laughs> Way to tell how the Heat are playing in any given time of the year. I, I think that the, the Celtics will definitely get the a spot. I think. I think the Hawks are going to get a spot too. I think they're playing that well. I think the different that that last spot. I think the the Knicks and the Heat. That's going to be interesting. Those are two teams I'm looking at, and I don't know because really the Knicks have also kind of been very hot and cold. You know, not as hot and cold as the Heat. Like again, the Heat are they will go on massive winning streaks and then lose again like seven in a row. The yeah, Knicks the Knicks are actually, hot and cold. In the, the, the Knicks are hot and cold in just like a lot in a much shorter in a much shorter um like spear. Like he's like they'll win three, lose three. Like you know, like the whole thing where they couldn't win more than three games in a row before they just won their fourth one when they beat New Orleans this week. Like so, like they'll. That's why they have, you haven't seen them. You know, kind of their position in the standings hasn't like been too crazy for a while. Like it's been between you know, four and eight, like, for the last two months because they've been more steady than a lot of these other teams. Boston's been out of it. Then they're fifth. You know, uh, you know, you know, we talked about Atlanta was really low, and they, they've been playing great for, like, you know, a couple of months. You know, Charlotte had the injury, so they were at a spot, and they've kind of taken a step back. So I think that six spots between Knicks and Heat, I feel the Heat feel like the kind of team that when they need to get wins, they know how to get wins. So I think that they will probably make that tick spot as much as that pains me to say as the Knicks fan who hates the Heat and obviously is hoping the Knicks to not have to play in a playing scenario. But I would probably go with those teams as the six. And then, you know, I don't I'm assuming a play a, a you know, a, a tiebreaker does come into this. The Heat has swept the Knicks this year. The Knicks can't buy a win against Heat. Every game's been close, but they they lost every every game. So if there's a situation where they're yeah. tied, the Heat are going to get that spot. Yeah, I mean, I think the Knicks will probably get it because the Knicks consistency, it. like, mm-hmm. like just 
obviously Hilton stuff, obviously as well. But um, when you defend on a nightly basis like that, mm-hmm. it, it always helps. Um, which is why I think this team has played so well. Um, yeah, I would assume that the Knicks get that get that spot. Um, Julius Randle has been consistently in the lineup and consistently dominant all season. Um, and I mean, if they don't get that six spot, I mean, I think they're going to be probably one of the favorites in that playing tournament. I've well, heard, so. se- I heard several people, yeah. Kendall, say that, um, I heard several people make this statement that he probably won't get it, but Tom Thibodeau really deserves to be the coach of the year. Why do people think that Tom Thibodeau won't be coach of the year? I mean, look, I mean, you know, sometimes because the coach of the year is more I, I, so like best coach, best like coach, coach, like, on coach the best, who's best on like team. the best team in the league. That dude didn't think like, not, be the best team. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's not a super team. Like, and so like, that's going to be Quinn Snyder this year, you know. Um, it's not Quinn Snyder or Monty Williams. Uh, but. Or Doc you Rivers. Could, you could. Yeah, or Doc Rivers, although, you know, he's got two superstars. So, uh, well, I mean, all this is all debatable. Yeah, you mean you ties two all stars, right? <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, it's all subjective. Phoenix had two all stars, but yeah, but whatever. And then also, also just because Doc Rivers has the, I think because he has a reputation of like being being Doc Rivers that that he won't get the the the, the bump that someone like Quinn Snyder or Monty Williams will get. But but yeah, you're right. Doc Rivers deserves to be in that conversation as well. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think those are probably the four. Um, I mean, to me, so here's, I will make the case for Tibbs today. Utah, I don't see a case, I don't really see a case with Quinn Snyder. I know that sounds maybe crazy for some people. And I, you know me, I've been super, and maybe, actually, this actually might be, in some ways, kind of blinding me. But you know, I've been super high on Quinn Snyder for like six years. You, you yeah. know, I talk about him all the time. So I think Quinn is an outstanding coach. I feel like. I feel like this jazz season isn't that implausible. Like, they were really good last season, and then one of their best players didn't play in the bubble. Like, yeah. Like, like they were a really good team last year. One of their players didn't play in the bubble. They were a six seed, quote unquote. But though, like, the Western Conference last year, one through, like, three through six, was just a mess. Like, it was like two games deciding teams. So it wasn't like they were so far off. You tell me you get um uh 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 what's the name back? Um why can't I say why can't I remember his name? Bogdanovich. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bogdanovich back. I kept wanting to say Bogdan. I know that's that's not right. <laughs> um Boyan yeah, Bogdanovich. Boyan. Uh you get Bogdanovich back. Another another team with a lot of continuity. Donovan Mitchell's a young player getting better. I mean, like these guys get better at a certain point when they get to this point. He's entering the prime of his career. And then you tell me the Lakers are going to have all these injuries? Like, I don't think that is – it's not – to me, that's just not the craziest thing that – they've been well, yeah, dominant. I mean, like, like, obviously, that's been – NBA wow. offseason off has become so chaotic over the last five years that it, the NBA has become a, a league where we, we – whenever we're projecting at the start of the season, it's all right, who made the best moves in the offseason. Right. It's just so who, who, has, team that who has new guys. Got bounced in the first round, although it was a seven-game series that – that they should have won. Yeah, they yeah. very easily could have won. You know, and if the Mike Conley shot goes in, do they beat L.A., you know, the Clippers? Right. And are they the team that challenges Lakers in the final, conference finals? And then, then are we looking at them like the way we looked at the Denver Nuggets? But 
Um, regardless, you know, the the way people were looking at it, oh, the team lost in the first round, you know, didn't make any moves, same roster. Uh, you know, they had the issues in the offseason with Gobert and Mitchell, like all these things where, you know, we just completely forgot about them. And, um, um, you know, instead of looking at the fact that this was a team that almost, you know, went to the conference, could have went to the conference finals potentially, uh, and brought back almost their entire team, you know, even though they didn't lose anybody, they didn't, you know, make any big moves, brought back almost their entire team. Um, I think the big thing that nobody could have predicted is that Mike Conley would play so well. Um, and that's, also, that's probably the major, but, but again, yeah, and that's that's 100% true. On the flip side, though, that's not Quinn Snyder. <laughs> so when I made the case yeah, of Coach of the Year, like, yeah, I think that the difference is Conley, which is why they're, they've become this. Well, not super so team that, that, that was gonna actually be, going to be my argument against Thibodeau. If I'm doing right. the, the devil's advocate, it's just, well, if, you, if you're asking me why are the Knicks so much better than people expected, well, the main thing for me is that Julius Randle, no one could have predicted he'd be one of the five best power forwards in the league this season. Right. Again, is that is that Tom Thibodeau? You know, I right. mean So here's so here's why and that's a that's a very fair argument. Here's why I will counter and say I, I don't think that that's fair to hurt. Teddy Payne the coach of the year. Right. <laughs> so here's well no, well 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 let's let's talk about that. So <laughs> to me, Conley is a much older player. Like we, we thought Conley was you know, well beyond his best years. He right. he looked shot. Yeah, Let's we just keep it hundred. He looked shot. No way he looked like an all star caliber point guard. And he thought that you know they were trying to get rid of him last year. There was word that made the right. day he'd be jumped it, on the Knicks. It, I mean, we thought it was going to be a great acquisition last. I year. I mean, there was this off season. The the rumor there was rumors that you just see a Randall Conley swap. Which you know, think about yeah. how things have changed since then. That was something that was legitimately talked about. The Knicks were that desperate to get rid of Randall and that desperate to take a point guard. Um, that they were willing to Conley at the how he played. That was the rumor. So the reason why I don't think that's as, as applicable to Tibbs is because I don't, again, I don't really attribute Conley's success to the coaching staff. like To player development, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he clearly is healthier. Um, I'm sure they're doing a great job with him, but the guy has been a star Year player his own, for a lot of his career. He's not like, he, this is like, oh, we've never seen this before. Like, Randall... We watched Randall play all year and watched him play just like destructive basketball last year. It wasn't necessarily all talent. Like, yes, he's way more talented this year, just his shot making. There are things he does now that he didn't do last year. But a lot of also what his problems last year were, you know, effort defensively, effort on the glass, and just, just not just not smart basketball, to be very simple. So Thibodeau has not only just affected Randall, but the whole team seemed to play much smarter basketball as a team. So I feel like he deserves way more credit for Randall's rise. I'm not taking anything away from Randall in terms of individually. I think that he should be right up there with everybody for most improved player. And I'll, I'll bang the drum for that too. But I, I don't think that you can make the argument for Tibbs because with, with Conley, Conley's been a star player who looks shot and now he's playing well. I think that's more a thing on Conley to say, wow, he really got himself in right shape and, and got his mind right. He's playing great ball now. You're right about it. With, with yeah. Randall, it was clear this guy was playing destructive basketball and they taught him not to. Now, he's worked on his game and he's added things to his game, the the, the three-point shot, the you know the, the fadeaways and the paint. I mean, some of these things he wasn't doing last year. But Passing one, some of that is going to be coaching development, you working with the coaches. But also, a lot of it is the passing 
A lot of that's learning the offense, knowing the system, knowing the reads. That's coaching. So that's why I feel like Thibodeau deserves more credit for like someone like a Julius Randle's rise, and that shouldn't hurt him in the Coach of the Year award. Whether where I feel like with with, with Snyder, I'm not saying it, it hurts him that Conley's playing great. I just feel like I don't know if I say, oh, he deserves this credit for around Conley playing this great. He's not doing anything putting Conley in different spots to make him more successful. I think Conley's just playing better. To me, Charlotte uh, and James Brady also deserve a. If we were doing a five, you know, a, yeah, <laughs> first team all coach. No yeah, I mean, I feel like this year. I feel like this year, typically, I feel like this year there are way more. I feel like there are way more candidates for coach of the year this year than there usually is. Yeah, I it's mean, not as chalk. You know, I, I would say why not Nate McMillan? I mean, I know it's it's kind of harsh on Lloyd Pierce, but like <laughs> yeah, that thing, right. that thing looked terrible when they fired Lloyd Pierce, and now they look yeah. like the team that Atlanta yeah, thought they, they were going to be. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy to see Atlanta where they are because it's like this is what. The Hawks thought they were going to be in the offseason when they made those crazy moves. Yeah, they, they thought they, they, thought were, they were going to be the. Well, thought they were supposed to be Phoenix East, right? And essentially, what they are now. Yeah, so, they, they, they've kind of morphed into that, but it took a firing the coach early in the season to get to that point. And they don't have veterans like Chris Paul to to, to guide them. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like there are a lot of cases. I feel like, I feel like, I, I feel like Quinn Snyder has a case. You know, I love Quinn Snyder, and I, and I totally think Monty Williams has a case. But um, I think the same could be said for Tibbs, who I, he would be my pick. I know I'm a little biased. Doc. Uh, Doc, and I think Doc has a case, and I think David Milling has a case. And I, I agree with Borrega because, I mean, sh- n- just nobody thought Charlotte was going to be a playoff team. Not even close. And yeah, he and it's, it's not just Ball. Like, he's got a lot of those guys playing good. You Gordon know what I'm Hayward saying? Has career. Yeah. You know, Gordon Haywood's playing great. Um, Miles Bridges is playing really well. This guy, Miles Bridges, seems to dunk on somebody every night. It feels like what he <laughs> did to Capella the other night was just Jesus. Um, hey, yeah. Terry I mean, this is just playing good ball. I mean, like they're they yeah. they got a, Malik Monk. Shout out to Malik Monk playing Look, great. Man, I, for for all the people who never who who never stop believing <laughs> <laughs> to all the non-believers. football. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like the EA Sports tagline for the college football game. <laughs> for all those who never stop believing. Malik Monk. Man. Yeah, man. Look, he revived his career, man. He it was going down a dark path, but um, he's now a playable player on a playoff team. Yeah. You know? I wasn't sure we were going to get there this early, but um, he's always had the talent level. But just about getting the right path around him. And that's, that's what was so important about getting guys like Gordon Hayward uh, this year. Yeah. yeah, I know Monk's been out a little bit with an ankle injury. I'm hoping to see him back in the court because before he got hurt, he was just he was balling. He was playing really good ball. So um, it's going to be a fun playoff race. I know. I mean, I mean, I like that there there is. I like the ten teams. Like I don't have an issue with that. I know some people don't like it. I, I like that there's more teams in the mix. I like that there's drama. Like there's intrigue to the regular season. Like this is. I think it's good. I, I'm not crazy about how they're going to get to the eight. I think that they maybe could have done a little better with that. But. Uh, no, this is all going to be fun. I mean, just having these conversations about these teams, uh, it makes this fun. So I'm excited to see how it all ends up shaking out. But I do want to move on and talk about Jamal Murray, who's, you know, his team, Denver Nuggets, squarely in the playoffs. We, you know, certainly feel like they'll probably not be one of those, uh, you know, outside of this top six teams in the West. But the Murray injury is a crusher. You know, he tore his ACL and they lost to the Warriors this week. Non-contact injury as soon as you saw it. 
you just knew it was bad the way he was you know grimacing in pain the way he was um he had to be carried off the court you just pray that it wasn't the worst case scenario but here we are and um he's out now so denver you know you're pro for the trade deadline you're kind of at the mercy of just whoever's left so they hired they signed austin rivers um i don't think that he'll make that much of a difference i think at this point you're just trying to uh, provide more depth for your team. I think it's going to be Monty Morris and uh, Compazzo's show for the rest of the season. But um, we, I guess I'm assuming we both agree that this is, I mean, Denver's window to win a, play, a championship this year is, is done. If anyone thought there was a window. Yep. They they, they, they cannot win an NBA championship. Could they still win a round? Yes. But they can't, they can't win a championship. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, there are four right now. You know they they can't see the Lakers. I mean, they see the Lakers, they're not going to win around. But if uh, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, but if 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 somehow the Lakers slip out of five and they get matched up with Portland or Dallas, could could they beat those teams? I wouldn't pick them, but I, I it's not impossible. Nicole Jokic is so special. He is like Jamal Murray wasn't having the best season this season anyway. He was starting to play a little better, but at the start of the season, obviously, he really struggled. Uh, and their team wasn't; they weren't great when he wasn't playing well. But um, Jokic was having such a such a such a special start of the season. Anyway, um, mm. like if he plays, if he could play, I mean, he's played at an MVP level all year. Like if he plays like that in the playoffs, you know, I, I'm never gonna say that the team with the the, the MVP uh, and then like can't win a playoff round, right? When especially when you pair him with you know Michael Porter, like Michael Porter seemed like a guy that. With an, with an increased offensive load and increased, um, you know, volume of, of shots could could break out even more. Yeah, I mean, so, Michael Porter is like an offensive machine. Like, the numbers yeah. just through the roof. And um, I, I'm, at, I'm now actually curious, that I'm curious, yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, him being the number two option. Like, what does that look like? Because right. he's, he's a damn good <laughs> number three option. Shooting fifty percent from the field as a as a as a forward, you know, um, as as a as a guy yeah. who plays a lot on the perimeter. Now he's Michael get a lot Porter. More I mean, this is like I'm so happy for Michael Porter because, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, he had such a such a you know kind of tough season at Missouri. Yeah. Um, the pre draft process for him there was a lot of a lot of doubters, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think anybody, obviously, we, we were not doctors and we didn't have any medical information. But, you know, from what people were saying, it was like, oh, I don't know if he could play again. Yeah. You you see, know, we, and well, the, the, I think what almost hurt him the most was we actually saw him play. Like that, that's that what we was kept going back to. That we was kept, a problem. Every time we saw, we saw, we saw him look the way he looked at the end of the, that, that season in that yeah. tournament. And it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. He was shot. And so it, it was going to be so tough. To, to draft that guy, <laughs> you know, in the lottery. But yeah. now, I mean, you, you, there's no way he drops out of the top three of that draft, top three or four. I mean, Luca's in that draft. You know, him and Trey Young, I mean, like, Trey Young's a better player now. If Porter's healthy, I would rather have Michael Porter. But mm. those guys, I mean, and, I mean, you know, those guys are AAU teammates. Like, you know, you can, you know, take your pick, you know, with either one. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, I mean, that's a similar one. You know, if Porter's healthy, I'm taking uh, Michael Porter. So, to me, like, he's he's a guaranteed top five pick. What a great uh, draft that is, by the way. 
Yeah, underrated. It's turning, it's turning, it into, not, a, turning into a pretty good one, man. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton, obviously, still very good. Bagley's had his up and down, but he's not a scrub either. Uh, Wendell Carter's had his up and down, but he's a good player as well. So, yeah, I mean that was that was a 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 pretty good draft. And I mean the Clippers were so connected to Porter that entire draft process. Had two draft had two lottery picks back to back. Steve Ballmer from Seattle. Michael Porter played a senior season in Seattle. You know, Jerry uh, West loves special Jerry talents. Jerry West, yeah, yeah, loves talents, special yeah. talent. Um, I remember watching the, the NBA draft combine, and you could see in the background Steve Ballmer talking to Michael Porter Sr. <laughs> so I was like, all right, so all right. So the Clippers are getting Michael Porter, and they passed him. And they, look, it had to be the Shea Alexander was great. Yeah, but then the word is that the Clippers doctor said, don't draft him. Yeah, it had to be. You know? And he said that. I think he said, yeah, the Clippers, I, there's an extra level of thing against the Clippers because their doctor was the one that said, I'm never going to be able to play. So, yeah, and I think honestly, I, I feel like I feel like the Knicks also didn't draft him because of that. Oh, definitely. Because I, because because to me, like, and we were saying it at the time. Like, yeah, I mean, look to me, like, like at the time, you know, when you see the guy fall the way he did, you must feel like that medical must look terrible. Like, it must be really bad. But to right. me, it was very clear. I mean, if if there was a question between Michael Porter or Kevin Knox, I mean, it's just come on. It's just not a conversation. And you made the case that they should have made the jump anyway. They should have just took the leap. Um, it, it was so tough because, like, I like I always was pro-porter for teams that could take the risk. And I thought the Clippers and Knicks were two teams specifically that could take that risk because the Knicks at the time were, were very bad, and we knew it. And, you know, I think the Knicks knew they weren't competing anytime soon. So we always want to have a rookie you know, that's healthy in this and that, but you know, there was no, there was going to be no issue with taking a guy like Michael Porter and sitting for a year. Uh, as we saw them now, the Nuggets were the perfect team. They were another team that could easily take that risk. They didn't need him. Uh, so they were fine with, they were fine with taking him, uh, I believe at 15, but you know, the Clippers had two draft picks. So, and they were also kind of a team in no man's land. So with two draft picks, and, you know, in the lottery, you might as well take a swing on one of them. I mean, had they gotten Shea and Michael Porter, I mean, they may not have gotten Paul George. They may, they may have said, we're just going to stick with these guys and Kawhi. I mean, maybe Kawhi doesn't come, but I don't know. Like, that becomes a question that they have to ask, them, they have to ask themselves. So, yeah, I mean, Porter, you know, special talent. Um, and he's essentially just the guy now at this point that he was coming out of high school. Um, which... Coming out of high school is a guy that people would have thought would have been a twenty-five point score. That's some point in his career, and that's what he—that's what he looks like. Yeah, absolutely, that's what he looks like. Um, but yeah, it's just gonna be—it's gonna be tough. And it's, it's just a, it was, yeah. a lot of people made this statement. And I agree. It's just kind of a sad day for the league to see uh, Murray go down because I feel like such a bright spot. Yeah, and I—I I just feel like you know, it's like you know, we always compare basketball to wrestling, and I. I you know, to me, like he had such a, a major baby face push in the bubble with the way he played and just like the spectacular play and the emotional speech about his sneakers after one of the games where he had fifty. Um, and uh, it just it, sometimes it just looked like miraculous play for him. Like after seeing him play his whole career, it was like I can't believe this guy is doing this. And um, 
And then, you know, he came into the season and he was, you know, he didn't start off nearly as high, obviously, as he was in the bowl, but he started to get it going. He was playing pretty good ball recently. And he, he clearly, to me, looks like a guy who's going to be, you know, a star player on a team that's going to be in the mix for the championship for the next five years. Like, it's, you know, Denver, with the way Jokic is, if they continue to build the roster, they're going to be in the mix in the West. They're not going to, they're going to be a team that's going to consistently be in the playoffs, consistently be high seed. And he's, he's the second gun. Um, but in some ways, he may be the most dangerous as a scorer. So it was sad. I was sad when I saw him go down. I was like, oh, man, please no. Like, And we know the Western Conference playoffs is always a gauntlet. We want to see the best against the best. So the fact that the Nuggets will almost certainly make it, and let me make the field of eight, but now they're going to be you know, without a star player. You know, We don't want to see Denver you know, shorthanded against somebody in the first round. That's not going to be fun. Even if they find a way and they win, then they're going to face yeah, and that Aaron probably, Gordon a, trade, probably like, a really good team in the second round. That's like, you know, this is not, not what we want to see. The Aaron Gordon trade now has become the trade that I don't know if they would have done. Uh, it's so bizarre because it was such a great trade. Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. They were playing yeah. excellent basketball. They got him for relatively cheap uh, assets. But now, I mean, they gave up two guards. <laughs> right, yeah. Two, Two guards that can fill it up. I mean, Hampton's playing pretty well right now in, in Orlando. He's averaging 10 points. And Gary Harris, obviously somebody who's always hurt. Um, but, I mean, you could have used Gary Harris now. So, yeah, not a yeah, uh, veteran not a, guard who can score the basketball. Um, right. So, yeah, uh, that, that that bad luck. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, Tim Connolly, you know, did a, did a good job. And, you know, they got, they got screwed over. And that happens. Look, I'm a Celtics fan. I, I mean... Danny Ainge did a great job assembling that team with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and those guys. And Gordon Hayward breaks his leg. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, but that's not, you know, if they, the Nuggets get bounced in the first round, it's not on Tim Connolly. You know, um, that, that's, it's just bad luck. I also want to give a shout out uh, to uh, James Wiseman also, who um, who's out for this. Yeah, season. shout out Big Ticket, man. Uh, uh, right meniscus uh, injury. So he's done. He had surgery. Uh, he'll be back for the 2021-2022 season, but um, done for the rest of this year. And I feel like Wiseman, you know, I think it, to me, if you're a, a Warriors fan, I think you kind of feel good about the flashes you saw from Wiseman. You know, a guy who barely played any basketball last year and came in this season. He had some injuries, some COVID. It was all, it was kind of a wacky year. You see, he seems to be almost like kind of like a, you know, like a, I, I hope that he'll have a great career. I think he will, but he's almost like a snake bitten guy. Like, yeah, say, yeah, he's had a can't get on the court, you know, because of, of the couple yeah, years, he really. can't get on the court because of Memphis, the Memphis situation. Can't get on the court because of COVID start the year, so he has no training camp. And when he gets on the court. He's in, he's in and out of the lineup, but when you see him, you see these flashes of just like wow, this guy could be really something. I hope that eventually this kind of stabilizes and we get to kind of get to see him play and be the kind of dominant player that he seems to project that he could be. It's just a matter of keeping him on the court. So I definitely want to give him a shout-out. Yeah, no shout-out to uh, uh, Glenn Taylor for selling the, the, the team. Alex Rodriguez. No disrespect to A-Rod. I, you know, I know some people have their problems with A-Rod. I, I like A-Rod, but you can't not sell the team to KD. You can't, also can't be the guy who's like, I'm only selling to somebody – you're going to keep the team in Minnesota and then not sell a team to KG for whatever reason. 
uh, and his and his financial group, but then sell to A Rod's financial group. Who, when you know that A Rod is not buying that team to keep them in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, man. If I was, if I'm, I'm in Seattle, man, I'm getting my Sonic stuff ready. I'm getting my jerseys ready. Getting my Sean Kemp throwback out of the, out yeah, of the closet. Yeah, my Anthony Edwards Sonics jersey. Oh yeah, it's a wrap, man. Pulling out my my, my Ray Allen. Happy Allen. Jamie Daniel was like, "Yo, I'm going back home." Yeah, I'm coming. I'm going home. It's not like <laughs> Paul George. You got traded to the Clippers. We're going home. I mean, yo, it's a wrap. Minnesota. I know Minnesota fans hearing this may feel very sad. And, you know, I'm not. None of this is wishful thinking. To be clear, no. Um, I want to see a team in Seattle. I do not want it this way. Yeah, I'm fine a, with expansion. I wanted a team. I'm not fine with expansion, but I wanted a franchise that the fans aren't as intrigued about having the team there. Um, Memphis, but <laughs> but anyway, I was like that's more of a franchise I would have preferred. I mean, Minnesota. I mean, they're engaged with the community, engaged with the team, like. That's not a team I want to see just leave. Like, so, so no, I don't want to see it this way. But um, this feels inevitable. I mean, come on, the guy played for the Seattle Mariners, and the ties to Seattle are there. It, I mean, it's it's a wrap. It's a wrap, and it happens every time somebody buys a team. They say we want to keep the team here, and then it's oh, they're not going to give me everything I want, and a pony, and a unicorn, and uh, you know, um, you know. The nuclear codes, uh, <laughs> uh, the yep. seat to the Oval Office, um, daily meetings with Dalai Lama. Like, it, it's just always the same nonsense. Like, the owners do this. They talk a good game. They get the team. They make some excuses, and they bounce. And that's what we're going to – I mean, if that doesn't happen with Minnesota, I will be shocked. I will be and shocked. And Glenn Taylor's going to say, oh, A-Rod lied to me. Right, and then, then the other guys will be like, I didn't know this was going to happen. You can't blame me. This has nothing to do with me. And that's gonna be that's gonna be what happens. So I don't I don't again I don't want that to happen. But that just they were talking about selling to the Wolves and the Minnesota Vikings. Right. That would have kept you in Minnesota. Like it's the easiest way to keep you in Minnesota. Yeah. Why would you sell to A Rod? Yeah, Taylor seemed to do the the one thing that was like, what's the what's the thing that's gonna be the least likeliest to keep with you here? Right. Even though they're even though they're saying all the right things, like just the the optics. The only thing it. worse would have been like, oh yeah, I'm selling to like. I don't know, like Gary Pete, <laughs> like, yeah, like, or like you know, the Allen family or something. I know Allen yeah. owns, owns the T Wolves. I mean, uh, the yeah, Trailblazers, so. but still, like something like that. I'm selling yeah. to uh, the Schultz in Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's 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 it's uh, man, it's tough. Yeah, that that was that was sour. I didn't like to see that. Um, be cool if there's a team in Seattle, but I don't want to see it like this. And I don't want to see it when it didn't have to be like this. Like, again, KG committed to buying the team, became part of your team, your front office, and played on the team as a part of a deal to be eventually the owner of the team. I don't like to see this go down like that. So definitely no shout-out to Glentero. Major shout-out to KG. Um, and I guess we'll see with A-Rod. I don't know if I want to give him congratulations immediately if he's going to just you saw the whole Anthony Edwards thing? That thing was hilarious. It's funny. Oh, so my, my girlfriend, there's this thing on the internet. There's this group she's a part of, a Facebook group, that's called, like, Who's and Them. And it's this concept of, like, someone who, a famous person that when you tell somebody, anybody who they are, they say who, that's someone who's not A-list, not someone who everybody knows. Someone who's a them is someone who, like, you just say their name and everybody knows who they are. Them. 
So, like, it's funny. We had a conversation about A-Rod, like, way before about how, you know, in her eyes, A-Rod's a, it's like a who because he with Jennifer Lopez. Like, he's like infamous. Like, he's a great player, right. but then he also had the steroids. Like, everybody knows who A-Rod is. And, like, she couldn't believe that Anthony Edwards didn't know who A-Rod was. And it's kind of wild. And I've seen a lot of people who don't believe it. I'm not surprised. Maybe I'm crazy. Our younger but brother like, Henry knows who A Rod is. I know, and he's about he's a he's aunt's age. They're about the same age. Yeah, but I, here's what I'm not surprised though. I guess I mean, he to grew me, up in a household obviously that likes baseball. Yeah, but. he grew up in a household that knew baseball and are New Yorkers. So even if we didn't like baseball, he he grew up with New Yorkers. So A Rod's a New York yeah. figure. I guess to me, I just feel like you know A Rod's best years would have been you know. Uh, you know, Anthony Edwards was six, seven, eight years old. And yeah. it's funny, Anthony Edwards says he played baseball growing up. Um but yeah. he, he's such but he's such a character. It's like I don't know what to believe with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I'm saying, not saying he's yeah, lying, yeah. but like I don't know. He could have been talking about yeah. playing like stickball like in some street in Atlanta. And like that's what he means when he says right. he played baseball. You know, so I don't know what he really means. But like I feel like you know, at that point in time, A. Rod was a star. When A. Rod was a star, like the baseball was still being covered, like it was one of the big three sports. Right. But as I feel like your most transformative years as a sports fan for a lot of people, not necessarily you and I, but you and I, we were both people who like it's like as soon as we could have any thoughts about thinking about anything in our brains, like sports was important in our lives. So it, like some things as early as like the nineteen ninety seven Charlie Ward, PJ Brown, you know, brawl. Like that, I'm six years old, but I remember that. Like, like I remember that. So, like, and yeah. for you, I'm sure there's things with the Celtics when you're six, seven years old that you could say, "Oh yeah, definitely." But the Celtics came back against the Nets that they were down thirty points by thirty points in the second half in playoffs with Paul Pierce in 2002. Right. Like, you probably were like five, but you remember it, like, because <laughs> that's how we are. For a lot of people, that's not how they are. Like a lot of people, I, I'm learning, like their real sports fandom really starts more like when you like middle school age, like you know, eleven, twelve. And you really get into it when you get to, like, 14, 13. When, by the time you get to high school, now you, you're, you're kind of solid with, like, you, whoever your teams are, your guys are, are your guys. When you're younger like that, you kind of, like, you may know people, but you don't really pay attention. So I think with him, it's just an age thing. Like, by the time he was old enough to really know people in baseball, nobody knew anybody in baseball. Because as we complain all the time, nobody covers it correctly because they don't promote anybody. They definitely weren't promote A-Rod because he was a steroid cheat at that point. So, I, like, yeah. I... I, it, is it implausible that he that like or rather is it ridiculous that he doesn't know him like yeah he should know who A-Rod is is it implausible no I don't think that is implausible to me it's just implausible because A-Rod even if you don't know anything about his baseball career I'm surprised you've never like you've never you never once like heard anybody say A-Rod like and not known like I what mean, is that yeah, I mean, I mean, Aaron, I mean Aaron Rodgers Nickname like Aaron Rodgers call A-Rod, comes but like, comes but it comes from like the fact that we had an A Rod, right? Like ninety yeah ninety percent. Like I guarantee you, we would not like, have called A Rod. Like, like, oh, that's a reference to Alex Rodriguez. Like I guarantee you, like, like I want guarantee you, but there's a very good chance that had there not been Alex Rodriguez, we wouldn't be calling Aaron Rodgers A Rod. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah, just, uh, to just me, like, it's, I mean, I'll be honest, I mean, it's almost yeah. Uh, to me, no, like A Rod is more. For someone Anthony Edwards' age, I feel like A Rod would be more well known than even Derek Jeter, because he's more in the limelight now than Derek Jeter. Right. Where Derek Jeter is, Jeter right. is kind of shadowy at this point because he's, he's 
you know, part owning the the, the running the world. And Judah, Judah's a very, very private guy. Yeah, exactly. A Rod exactly. is not a private guy at all. Right. He's like, like literally like searching for the camera. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's he's on TV. I mean, again, I'm not saying I don't expect him to be watching baseball, but he's on TV all the time. But yeah, and again, it's not I mean, always for sports. Or it's not always for baseball. Again, this guy, he's a he's a celebrity. Like to me, A Rod, he's a celebrity. He's, he never yeah, watched Entertainment Tonight, TMZ. Yeah, he, yeah, he transcends sports. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a it's a surprise. I mean, it's uh, almost like uh, um, to me, it's almost like Caitlyn Jenner, where it's just like, right, like I I don't I, I don't know much about um when she was Brody. I don't know much about Brody Jenner as a Olympic athlete. Like I don't I don't I right. I, I, I know nothing. I don't think, but I know who Caitlyn Jenner is. And that's kind of that's kind of like a and that's kind of like how A Rod is in terms of his fame. Like, like regardless of whatever he did in the baseball field, like the guy's everywhere. <laughs> so like, yes. like to not know anything about him is a little crazy. Like I thought he would like if you were to say, "Oh, I'm not a baseball fan," but like I know who he is, I know he's accomplished. That would be different. Like to say, I I don't know him. So that was. <laughs> Anthony Edwards, though, I mean Anthony Edwards. I t- I t- I tweeted, man. Anthony Edwards is like, he's like, like a character from like a basketball movie. Like he's almost not real. <laughs> like every time he talks, it's just like that sounds like something like a movie character would say. Yeah. First, uh, look. The first time I knew Anthony Redis, uh, I mean uh, Anthony Edwards was 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 uh, hilarious. Was that video of him talking about Cam Reddish? Right. Um, like last year we were talking about how Cam Reddish scored. Like yeah, this was him in high school. <laughs> More than forty, yeah. It was at an all star. It was at a uh, the Balls Life All American game. They were doing a Balls Life video talking about who's the best player you ever played against, and he said Cam Reddish. I mean that. that I mean that video is hilarious. Yeah, everybody should watch that video. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah. And him explaining that video and Drew Timmy's in that video talking about how he saying Cam Reddish and him having to guard Cam Reddish, but like, and then that, and then even if you watched his video with Mike Schmitz last year, you could tell, oh yeah, this guy's charismatic, like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I could see, I could see why. That's why I didn't get when you know in the pre-draft people were kind of like, oh, people were knocking his, his personality or his attitude. I'm like, I don't know. Seems like a funny guy to me. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people. I don't know people. People who, if you're not like super like straight laced and like super serious, like people sometimes like equate like ant ants like characters like not being serious. I think he's serious. He's just right. a funny guy. He's just. Yeah, like so, like someone said, like someone tweeted also, like I've never seen a person more Atlanta than Anthony Edwards, and oh. I agree. Like, like and like and like he's not from like the suburbs, uh, you know, Cobb County. I mean, this dude's from Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> he's just any he's like any other dude from Atlanta who's just a six six with a forty inch vertical who go who go. Yeah. So that's how he acts. So like, um, so no, nah, I just he's a he's a he's a trip. I mean, you know, even though. And look, I love my Knicks fans, and I know, you know, they they kind of uh, they legioned up when he said the thing about RJ, wanting him to take the last shot. <laughs> I thought it was funny, man. Like, like oh yeah, I, like, yeah, I thought it was funny. Like, I mean, even as a Knicks fan, I'm like, I'm like, yo, I love or RJ, and I def- or whatever. And, and Ken, though, I you know me, I defend RJ to the moon. But yeah. like, I would like, I would totally expect Anthony Edwards to be the guy to say that. Say that, and I would totally expect the Timberwolves. To have that strategy, like it's that's totally plausible. That all makes sense. Like yeah. I now I would argue, like as a Nick fan, I'd say, well, RJ Barrett's a bad boy, and next time you do that, 
he may make you pay. But right. like, but for like the circumstances, I'm like, yeah, the Timberwolves probably said we don't want Randall touching it. If RJ shoots, he hasn't come through in these situations, so we want him taking the shot. Anthony Edwards, being Anthony Edwards, is like, of course we want to charge Barrett to take the shot. <laughs> we were happy. Um, I mean, and we always talk about game. We want guys to be honest and authentic. Like he could have gave us the most, you know, you know, media trained PR answer. Uh, we were just lucky to get the game. It was a hard-fought win. Like, who wants to hear that? I want to hear what he... I, I, I'm glad he said what he said. And I'm sure RJ... I mean, RJ will take it personal. Because that's how he is. But I'm, yeah, but I'm sure RJ's like, okay, good. Now, when I see him again, I'm going to put 30 on him. And now I want to see that matchup. That's how you drive interest into the game. That's fun. Anthony Edwards is fun. And yeah, um, I mean, he could have said, yeah, A-Rod. Or Alex Rodriguez. If you said Alex Rodriguez, I would have been like, he don't know. He don't know what he's talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. But like he didn't. He was like, hey, I don't, even I don't know, know who that is. Yeah, I know. He's I, said, I know owner. he's gonna be the owner. <laughs> he, said, I, he said, I know he's fitting to be the owner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know he's fitting to be the owner, but I don't know who that is. Yeah, I mean, come on, that. that, that yeah, I love how all the all the all like the actual quotes they don't say finna. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> which is annoying. Um, yeah. yeah, man. Shout out to Anthony Edwards. I tell you what, and you know, we've been working on interviews, and we got some stuff cooking that I'm excited about. But I would love having you with Anthony Edwards. That would be a trip. <laughs> I mean, he would be so much fun. Uh, I do want to give one more shout out. Uh, I know we kind of got sidetracked talking about um, injuries, and then we got somehow got to uh, Glenn Taylor and the T Wolves. I do also want to give a shout out to Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, he retired from the NBA suddenly after dealing with an irregular heartbeat. He said that he played during the game with this during the Lakers with the irregular heartbeat. Went back after uh, the game went home, and he was experiencing one of the scariest things of his life. He said, and it made him realize that you know being a family man, being a father, was more important than you know chasing this ring. And he just laid it all down. He just said, "I'm done," and just stepped away from the game completely. Thank the uh, all the fans that have you know followed his game closely. And thank the Brooklyn Nets and the Nets fans for bringing him in just for these last couple of weeks. But um, really an unceremonious end to a great career. And I posted it on Twitter. Um, and I'm sure you, I don't know how you'll feel about it. But LaMarcus Aldridge 100% has a borderline case for the Hall of Fame. I don't know oh, if he'll yeah, make, he it. make it. You think he'll make it? Yeah, he'll make it. I mean, because it, I mean, seven All-Star games, five All-NBA teams. I mean, that's... They may not sound like the craziest thing in the world, but for the Basketball Hall of Fame, that's enough. Like, the Baseball yeah. Hall of Fame may be having questions, but because the Baseball Hall of Fame is the highest, you know, uh, probably the highest degree of difficulty. But that's more than enough for the Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, he's been a top player in his position for a long time. And, uh... Yeah, NBA... And uh, in, some, in some ways, I mean, he's kind of like a, you know, endangered species, like, as a player. Yeah. Basketball reference game. has him at a at a fifty percent, really yeah. rounded up to 51% chance of making. Yeah. I mean you, you think it'll be guaranteed. And I think that those basketball reference things, like I think I think that I think that it's purely statistical. But yeah, yeah, and I feel like I feel like if I was looking at that thing, I, I I'm doing it blind right now, but I feel like if you're like above like thirty five percent, you're probably yeah. gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, most of the guys, there are very few guys who haven't made it who are like, yeah, like you said below yeah. that because there are guys that are you know in the hall of fame right now they have been put in recently that are well below that number <laughs> yeah. look at their statistics for the hall of fame probability 
So no, I mean I think he has a I think he has a borderline case. So but it's just again, it's just unfortunate that um that it didn't work out. I also I was have a soft spot for Marcus Lamarcus Aldridge because even though he was drafted super high, he was actually a very polarizing player when he was taken two in the two thousand six draft. Yeah. And I, I thought he was gonna be great. And um and I'm happy to see his career come out the way it did. Because at Texas, a lot of people thought, Oh, he's a soft jump shooter. Doesn't play with the kind of physicality needed. Not after. Who did athlete. they know the NBA would uh would would phase out of that style of run, style right. of play? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Lamar Aldridge is being drafted in the nineteen ninety one NBA draft. Maybe he has more problems. But uh, in the in in this era where you know spreading the floor is is more is is, is more you know needed, valuable. And, yeah, yeah, more valued, and and and, 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 and he has a post game. You know, he could definitely yeah. post up. He's just not going to be a sledgehammer in the post. And, and with his post game, you know, he was he was a terror. I mean, he was a really, really tough cover for a long time. You know, he made seven yeah. all games, but he could have made more. He, he was I don't know. I, like, I mean, this, you know, this isn't like, you know, the, the biggest thing in the world. But I don't know if the move to San Antonio was the best thing for his career. But, um, but I mean, he made, I'm glad he made the decision because, you know, not. I mean, you that or the Knicks. So I don't I mean. Yeah, right. At the point in time, I think maybe San Antonio was the better option of those two. Yeah, yeah, I think he thought it would be stay in Texas or go back to Texas rather, um, and you know, great organization. And, I, and like, like I'm fine with. I'm glad like he didn't go to some big market like guys always do. Um, but in terms of like helping his Hall of Fame chances, like you know, had he teamed up with some other guy, got a ring, you know, now we're talking about a different, the different argument, but. Um, what, I, what I thought was really cool about Aldridge's time in San Antonio, though, was it's probably the first time I've ever seen Pop say that he was wrong about a player and realize he had to adjust his coaching. In fact, he, I think he said that. Yeah. Because he got there and things did not go well immediately, yeah. pretty much. Like, they it just, it was an oil and water mix. Um, you know, we know how Pop is. And then we know how Marcus Aldridge is. Um, Aldridge is a very particular kind of player. He kind of he's a particular kind of knows where he wants the ball in spots, and he's a his certain temperament is very laid back, very cool. You know, Pop can be very fiery, and Pop can be very my way or the highway. So it was a very oil and water mix relationship early on, and Pop admitted that it was his fault pretty much. Like he didn't do anything to adjust to Aldridge, and you're signing a big time free agent. It's really on you, fam, to make the whatever adjustment you need to, to make this work. And to see Aldridge, especially, you know, that 2018 season, like, put in that incredible season at 32 years old, averaging 23 points a game, after having two really down seasons in San Antonio. Uh, I just thought that was really cool. I know they didn't do anything in the playoffs. They got, you know, punched by the Warriors. But Aldridge was incredible that season. And, um, and to see, like, someone even, like, pop. Is one of the greatest coaches Pop is. Pop is a greater coach than Aldridge is as a player. And that's saying a hell of a lot because Aldridge is a great player. But for Pop to realize that in order for this to work, I got to make the changes necessary. And for him to do that for a player like LMA, I was happy to see that. Um, again, it's just unfortunate that his career had to end this way. Uh, and, I'm, I don't, and I think that there will be – I'll be honest. I was wrong. I thought that he'd have zero impact on the Nets. That was not true. He was playing well for the Nets. He was starting at the center. 
he looked great. Um, he looked, you know, I mean, he, he, he was, you know, obviously the role is different than what he's accustomed to in regards to being, you know, a number one option or something like that. But for what they were asking him to do, I mean, he was a massive upgrade from DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Jordan at the center. So I don't think this is no deal. I think that this is something. I don't know if it means they're not going to win the championship. That's how loaded they are. But now they're just not as, uh, I guess, as just like, Inevitable, yeah, and as explosive right. as they were maybe before this, but this this was a blow. You know, for five games, he looked like he was really working out. Yeah, I mean, no sympathy going to be felt for me uh, on the part yeah, of the Nets. I, I understand that. Sympathy for Aldridge, no sympathy for the Nets per se. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but but yeah, yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is an ideal because um, this is their big uh, their big buyout. Uh, acquisition or one of their people. Yeah, I mean, you say that, think, but they had Blake Griffin too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, you wonder when the Aldridge thing happened. It was hap- it happened so like so stealthy that um, it almost felt like they were prioritizing Aldridge over Drummond. You know, like there was a conversation: of, will they get Drummond? And we yeah. didn't even know they were really in on Aldridge, and they got Aldridge at the same yeah. time. And they weren't really going after Drummond. Yeah, I think it was because they knew that they were going to try and get Aldridge, and they got him, and they probably knew they were going to get him. Um, now, obviously, in hindsight, similar to the you know Aaron Gordon thing, do they would they have gone after Drummond? You know, had they known, you know, now yeah. that option is not available. So, um, yeah, again, you know, not Sean Marks' fault, not Steve Nash's fault, but sometimes that's how the cookie crumbles. You know, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, I want to quickly talk about the big hire at Arizona, Tommy Lloyd, Gonzaga assistant. Yeah, Sean Miller fired, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Sean Miller was fired. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even yeah. talk about that. Sean Miller was fired. You know, there was kind of this talk about would they give him an extension, would they not? You know, then there was a question of would, like, the Regents board approve the, like, the extension? Like, it was all crazy stuff. Um, but then, uh, so they eventually fired him, and there was this coaching search. It seemed like Lloyd was a guy from the beginning, but it was kind of a mess of a search. We kind of were twirling in the wind for days, wondering what the hell they were going to do. This week, we get word Lloyd's a guy. He's hired. He's introduced this week. Um, first of all, I mean, as me as a good, here's what I'll say. I mean, I follow Gonzaga basketball very, very closely, considering that is my team in college basketball, along with St. John's. And anybody who knows anything about the Gonzaga program or is close to the Gonzaga program understands Tommy Lloyd is been instrumental to their success as a program for the last 20 years. When it comes to their uh, in-game preparation, and even more importantly, in some ways, when it comes to their recruiting, particularly internationally, where the the Zags have just had a pipeline of international players from all over the world, Europe, South America, Africa, all over the place. Asia. Asia, yes, thank you. I mean, Tommy Lloyd has literally been the kind of guy who's like, if there's young kids that can hoop anywhere that are not playing professional ball, I'm going to find them and bring them to yeah. Spokane, Washington. And that's what they've done. Uh, so it's, I think that there's a lot of potential here for Tommy Lloyd because of that. Um, Arizona is in a position where they're almost certainly staring down the barrel of a some kind of, some sanction, something. Something's going to happen to them. Yeah, some changing. Yeah, some, USC just got 
a two year probation for what they yeah. did, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is like okay, like, yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> but but this but but something's gonna happen to them, whether it's catastrophic or or like slather wrist. I don't know what it'll be. Regardless, I feel like Tommy Lloyd's um, innovative way of bringing talent to programs through the portal, through his recruiting on the international scale, is going to do wonders for Arizona, who is who have gotten international guys, by the way. Larry Markinen, Josh Green. Like, this is not yes. a This school. latest class, or their most recent class last year, they had... Uh, Kirk Kreisa, who's a top guard out of Estonia, and they had another kid from Turkey, uh, Tubalis, who was a uh, who was a big time recruit. So yeah. yeah, so this is a school that has obviously we know the name brand it has in, in the U.S. But this is a school that has a name brand abroad. And Nico okay. Manny, Italian, you know, he right. plays he plays you know for the Italian national team. Right. Yeah. So this is a team that has a name brand abroad. This is not uh you know, Tommy Lloyd shows up. And they know who Tommy Lloyd is, but they don't know anything about Arizona basketball. They do because they have been great players who have who have put on the uh, uh, put on the Arizona Wildcat uniform. I think you know if you're talking about the the pitfall that may happen. Okay, a guy who hasn't been a head coach now. Again, anybody around Gonzaga will tell you that I mean, Tommy Lloyd is almost running the thing. That's what people will tell you that Tommy Lloyd is so in few gives Lloyd so much rope that like. It's almost like he's a head coach, or he's like they have two head coaches. So, but at the end of the day, this is Lloyd now doing his own thing, and he doesn't have the Gonzaga, you know, the Gonzaga magic with him. He doesn't have few with him. He doesn't have the Gonzaga staff with him. I'm sure he'll maybe plug a couple of guys, but um, I don't. Know, I saw he was plugging a guy from Baylor staff, uh, but like who's a former Gonzaga player. But I know he's. It's not gonna. It's just not gonna be the same. So there's that, and then there's the aspect of you know you're in the Pac-12, so. Gonzaga is a power. It's a harder job. Yeah, Gonzaga is a power, but exactly, Gonzaga is a power. But now, Gonzaga, it certainly helps like, to like what Gonzaga has done. It's not easy, but for Gonzaga to win the West Coast Conference every year is easier than Arizona winning the Pac-12. Pac-12, right? Exactly. <laughs> like it's going to be a challenge. There's not going to be a feel feel your way through the conference. You know, feeling like when you're coaching at Gonzaga. Gonzaga could like you know look kind of shaky against San Francisco and in, in a Santa Clara, but win those games. It doesn't matter. Like yeah, you look shaky against Oregon, you're losing by twenty. <laughs> you look yeah. you look shaky against Oregon State, you're losing by ten. <laughs> like like those yeah. like these are these are real teams, you know. So I wonder with Lloyd how that adjustment will be. You know, you've been coaching through a schedule where you've gotten this like every season this. Like, not every season, because it's not like Gonzaga's been, like, this superpower where, like, you don't think they're ever going to lose a game in the conference for the whole 20 years. I would say it's probably been the last six, seven, say, where it's definitely been yeah. like that. Um, all those years, they've been the favorite to win the, 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 the conference. But there have been there have been plenty of years where they'll lose a game. St. Mary's two. was there. And then St. Mary's was, was a team that was an equal almost. So yeah. So that, that has changed. Again, I would say that for the last six, seven years, I would say we've gotten to the point where it's, like, Gonzaga – the, like if you they lose a game in the conference, you'll be shocked. It'll be different for him to go to this program and there like you don't have that feeling out process. Like you know he's used to going through the tough non conference, which I'm sure Arizona will continue. But once you get to conference play, it's like the, and these teams know who you are and they're really talented. That I, I'm I'm wondering how he'll have to adjust to that and what what the difference will be there because it's going to be an adjustment for a guy who's never been a head coach. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, Tommy Lloyd. I, I mean, so first of all, I've, as a college basketball fan, I've always long wanted college basketball to adopt when it comes to hiring. I've always, I mean, you know me, I'm always a big fan of the coaching carousel in every sport. But um, when it comes to college basketball, I always wanted there to be something a little closer to what we have in football where assistants from the best schools in the country from the, the the best programs in college football typically get head coaching jobs in, in power five, power five coaching jobs. That doesn't happen in basketball. And, and it's obvious, like you can't tell, you can't as clearly point to what that assistant does in basketball as you can in football. You know, if, if you're talking about a defense coordinator and that defense coordinator, you know, is coaching the best defense in the country, then yeah, he's probably a good coach uh, or, vice versa offensively uh basketball is a little more muddied you know you may have a guy who's coaching the offense and they may have the best offense uh in the the country or whatever but like what tommy lloyd does obviously is very it's very it's been noted um obviously you mentioned the stuff he does on court um and the 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 role he takes in there and in there uh, as a as a coach but also as a recruiter um i mean he's, he's he's one of the i would argue he's one of the five best recruiters in college basketball from a, from like an effectiveness standpoint um, you know he may not you know I don't know what his you know what his ties are to you know the, you know the grassroots scene as much as you know someone like Sean Miller but um, what he's done I mean again you name the players that have that, that have come internationally from Gonzaga. I mean, one, it's too long of a list to name everybody. But, I mean, recently, DeMontis Sabonis, yeah. Rui Hachimura, uh, uh, Philip Petrusev, um, Shemek Karnowski, Kevin Pangos. I mean, again, I could go on Kevin, Kevin Kyle Wilcher. I could go on for... Olin- for Kelly Olenek. Yeah, Kelly Olenek. You know Elias Harris. I mean, you studs. can go on. I mean, all the guys you name are just Joel Ayi on this Call, team. College basketball studs. All the guys you name. <laughs> Andrew Nimhard on yeah. this team. Like they had two guys. They're backcourt. You know, outside of Jalen Suggs, we were two international players. Um, so yeah, you know, that is that is like. I mean, again, if you have if you can point to any assistant in college basketball that has a track record of getting that kind of player, that guy should be a head coach. Yeah, you know, like consistently, he, I can get you that kind of player on a consistent basis. That's what he's done for Gonzaga. Like, and that's why Jeff Capel was able to leave Duke. Cause a lot of the top guys that were at Duke were Jeff Capel was the guy. On. You know, he was the, he was the lead recruiter on. That's why he's a coach of Pitt now. Like, so yeah, I mean, I, I've I always mean, been an advocate that I think assistants should get those jobs. But we were saying, no, I was going to say, I mean, I, I remember reading a, a profile on Tommy Lloyd where, uh, they were talking to like a, a opposing coach and it was like, like the coach would learn about a guy and they would like start to do their work on him and whoever was handling the player or, you know, whether it was his club team or their, it was at the club team, they'd be like, you really shouldn't waste your time. I mean, Lloyd's been on this for a year now. Like, yeah, a year, not, right? He's, yeah, not, he's, not, he's not going to your school. Like he's, this recruitment started a long time ago. And the guy, or people just feeling like he's not even worth going after some of these guys because by the time you hear about them, Lloyd's already been on them and recruiting them heavily. Like you're just this is over. Their recruitment's over. It's a matter and of I them. Kind of it's a matter of like, them deciding to make the jump or they're gonna go pro. But like that's it's, there's no other team. Like that when you bring like that's 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 the kind of impact he has on the recruiting trail internationally. And 
that is that is a definitely a way to get players. Like you can't, yeah, you know, it's not that you have to get going internationally to win a national championship. I mean, I don't think barely any national players, but that's certainly a tool. And if you're a, a team that's going to be potentially, you know, have issues, you might have to go, you know, kind of, you know, roundabout ways to find guys to fill up right. your roster. You want to get you also way, maybe if, way to do if you're it. Arizona, get the NCAA off your scent, like hire a guy who, and, but you still want to get players, like hire a guy who's not recruiting, you know, I mean, he's still recruiting. He's still going to have to get American players, but someone who's not going to be, you know, reliant on one and done <laughs> recruits, you know? Like, if he's getting guys internationally, it's there's just going to be a different stigma on on the recruiting process. Um, I mean, look, there are questions like, look, Arizona, um, Sean Miller was so... And again, I mean, I'm not here to talk about how great a coach Sean Miller is, given, you know, what we know about how they were getting guys or whatever. Like, it's, it's all out there. I don't know who cares about it at this point. Like, it seems like no one cares anymore, but uh, just and like someone said, the only reason they fired him is because they weren't good. Like, they didn't make the tournament. Like, if they were in the Final Four, like they, they he'd be the coach. He probably got an extension. But they they've they they they've taken a step back since uh since that whole situation uh, unfolded. But but prior to that, Sean Miller was. I mean, when you talk about best like programs in the country, best recruiters in the country, like. All of the best players in the West Coast went to Arizona. Aaron Gordon, Stanley Johnson, you know, I, I mean, you mentioned, uh, I mean, Nick Johnson, another guy. But, I mean, you mentioned yeah. guys like Lowry Markin and Nico Mannion and Josh Green. Like, they were they were getting all the, they're getting all the best players on the West Coast. And, like, this is going to be a different profile of player that they're typical, that they're typically used to at Arizona. Um, you know, you're not getting uh, it's again Kevin Parham, you know, to come. Right. Yeah. You're shout out to Kevin Parham, though, no, who I played with. Yeah. In shout AU, out to Kevin Parham. I played legend. with and against during AU my AU days. Oak Richardson is not walking through that door anymore. No. You know, like you're not gonna get, you're not gonna get those kind of players anymore. And I think they know that. And I think they're probably cool with that. They're probably we don't, you know, we like we probably shouldn't at this, you know, just to stay again keep the NCAA off our scent. But um, what will that? How will that? translate in terms of wins. I honestly think the Arizona program is in a similar point, in a similar inflection point as they were when Sean Miller got the job. So and we saw, I mean, he took that thing and he ran with it. We'll see how Tommy Tommy Lloyd does, you know, um obviously this is he's not replacing, you know, Kevin O'Neill. So it's gonna be a little tougher, uh, I think. But but yeah, you know, this is uh this is good. I mean for Gonzaga, honestly I would be a little more. I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm going to be worried, but um, the pro Gonzaga spin that I've heard is look. I mean, you know, there have been a countless number of assistants that have left. You know, obviously most recently, I mean, Leon Rice was supposed mm-hmm. to be the guy. Uh, at he was you know a long time Gonzaga assistant, supposed to be the successor, next in line, and then he took he takes the Boise State job. He's done a very good job at Boise State. Um, Tommy Lloyd, he was there, he was there the whole time. But Tommy Lloyd elevates and is now, you know, been seen as officially as the coach in waiting yes. for Mark Few. You know, now he leaves. I'm less worried about the succession plan, um, but more worried about like in the short term, 
you know, getting players. And is that why Gonzaga, we've seen a shift in that they have prioritized you know, some of these five stars more recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's, it's because they knew Lloyd was gone, but like, is that, is that, does that give you more, you know, comfort in knowing that, look, I mean, we don't need Shemmy Karnowski if we're getting Chet Holmgren, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't need Kevin Pangos if you're getting Hunter Salas. You're getting five-star American players. It's a different way of getting players. It's more of the Arizona model. Uh, hopefully, it's not exactly. Yeah, that's that's hope it's not. Hope not doing that one to the T. <laughs> exactly, but like if you're getting those kinds of players, the top players on the West Coast and the right. you know, honestly just nationally, then you don't need to to have this this international pipeline. But they have the Chinese kid Fang Zembo, who's committed for next season. Um, or 2022, the class, the next year's class, recruiting class. Like, is he going to Arizona? Like, you know, that's that's a whole pipeline of players that they've had that that is now lost. And how much of that do you still keep with Mark Few? When Duke, lo- you know, lost Jeff Capel, there was serious concern. Is Duke going to be able to recruit at the same level? And there were a couple of years where it was more like the Duke prior to Cable coming back. Yeah, it kind of yeah, it kind of had a feeling out period. Yeah, it had a like, feeling out like period, started, but like feeling like they're starting to find their footing now. This class. Yeah, yeah, Nolan Smith, John Shire, they figured it out. <laughs> right. They figured it out. They they know the they know who to call. Coach K still has the connects and they have what could be a uh historic recruiting class coming in next year depending on how the rest of the the recruiting cycle goes, but that'll be the question with Mark Few and Gonzaga. Yeah, I mean, I think that as far as the Gonzaga part of it, the other thing I've heard too is that you know at this point Gonzaga has become a name brand overseas, so that doesn't really matter who's making right. the call at this point, and that's a fair point. Um, just like right, and, and Duke, Tommy just Lloyd, like Duke, they know all the they they know all although Tommy Lloyd's a point man, like they know all his secrets. So right. yes, Tommy Lloyd has the name, but like you said, Gonzaga. Tommy Lloyd was representing Gonzaga. Yeah, he, yeah, he was working for the team. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, so it's not like you don't you lose know, every contact because you, you lose Tommy Lloyd. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so 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 I've seen that as part of it, and I think that that's a, a fair way to look at it. I think that they'll be mostly fine. Um, I'll be honest, I am a little more concerned about the long term than the short term. I know you said it was, it was the opposite for you. I guess to me, I just... You know, you mentioned Rice, and Rice wasn't the official coach in waiting, but it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of assumed, like, hey, somehow a few of them left. This was more about few leaving than retiring, per se. Right. Um, you know, Rice would probably just get the job. And we all knew that, and Rice left anyway. So, like, okay, he left, but hey, you know, Green Pastures, few is still coaching. He, well, he probably knew. Few, few probably at, told at this, him. I'm not... Yeah, this time, few's trying to get to the Final Four. Um, he didn't get to the Final yeah. Four yet. So if he's going to try and get that final four, you know, so who knows how long that'll take. He ain't going to leave till then. And, okay, so, you know, Lloyd, who's been on the staff forever, who's him and Rice were the two guys pretty much. And, and you know, you always saw that same guy standing up next to Few, like telling him certain things before Few calls up the place to the team. Like, it's, he's very visible. And then, um, and you know, then it's official. Lloyd is the coach in waiting. So I'm like, okay, well. That settles anything about Few. And we started, me and you started, you know, pondering, hey, maybe Few's going to be out of this game earlier than we expect. And then he leaves. Now, he leaves for Arizona. Now, obviously, right going to Boise, that's not a big school. But he leaves for a big school. And, and, and so maybe this is a little more exciting. But he was the official coach in waiting. I mean, I, I, I am a little concerned about, like, 
do these guys see uh, see Gonzaga as a place where as soon as few leaves, the magic leaves? Like, I, I'll be honest. I don't, like, or the or is few just, they think, they think few is pulling the Coach K. They think he's going to be there for 10 years. Because I don't see yeah, how I Arizona. I don't see how any way anybody thinks Arizona does a better job than Gonzaga today. There's no way. So to me, you only take this job if you either don't, either you don't believe in it personally in terms of the future because of whatever's happening behind the scenes, or you think Fuse will be there forever. It's so tough. The, the like, latter, I'm, the latter, like I'm okay with. The latter sucks because it's like, okay, well now we have another staff without, you know, now we have a staff that's a little more depleted than we've been, but at least Fuse gonna be around. If it's I don't believe in this thing after a few leads, and this is going to be a lot harder. I'd rather take an Arizona job, like which is you know big school, but again, Hammer may be coming by the NCAA. That's and then you haven't really won a lot in recent years. That's a little bit more puzzling to me. That's the only thing about this that I, w- I would question. Because this was not a job where you heard like guys who you know the biggest names were looking for this job. Like, it, yeah, Eric Musselman was like, "I'm good." Yeah, Eric Musselman coach in Arkansas was like, "No, nah, I'll sign this extension." At Arkansas. Arkansas is, you know, no slouch as a program. You know, shout out to Nolan Richardson and Carlos Williamson, Darren Day. But come on now. That's 1994. <laughs> I'm talking about 2000, 2021. And Eric Musselman at Arkansas, one good year, saying, nah, I'll, I'll keep this job. You know, that, that, yeah. And the guy with West Coast Can ties. That's, 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 that tells me something. I think it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that this is a, this is a career move where I think he's measuring that we like, or he's at he's at a point where again, how long has you got? Let's say few has got three, four more years. Like, is a job like Arizona going to be available and going to be calling him specifically as you're our guy? You know, in that time period, his son plays at Grand Canyon. Yeah, so he's closer to his son. His family gets to move closer to 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 his son. I mean, maybe his son transfers to Arizona. I don't know. Um, but assuming his son even stays at Grand Canyon, because uh, I mean, if he wasn't quote unquote Gonzaga good, I don't know if he's going to be Arizona good. But right. regardless, uh, if his son transfers to even if his son transfers or he doesn't, he's closer to his son. Um, you're in the Pac-12 again. It's a, it's a you're he's already a West Coast guy in the mm-hmm. sense that he's been at Gonzaga for you know, 20 for 20 years. Um, you mentioned the ties that the program has overseas already. I honestly think that Sean Miller got his recruiting style from an international standpoint from Tommy Lloyd. That's my guess. Like, I think they adopted that strategy. It wouldn't surprise uh, me. I mean, because... I mean, Miller and few have a pretty good relationship. Interesting. I mean, they and they, I, I, they I, schedule I games against each other. Like, that's not... Have. Yeah. and multiple they like they've like the only school in the in the west coast that's that's been on Gonzaga's level the last 10 years is or been on Arizona's level is Gonzaga you know and you have to if you're if you're Sean Miller you have to be asking yourself like you know how are they doing it and he knows how they're doing it. it's very obvious it's, it's Tommy Lloyd and yeah. and then and if you can connect those dots it's like well the AD knows as well you know if they're having that conversation um, and so, you know, there, there may be a little bit of John Miller saying, man, you know, come back, came back to bite me, but, uh, but yeah, 
yeah, if you're Tommy Lloyd, this is like blue bloods don't come crawling that often for an assistant at another school. You know, like especially at Gonzaga, not a, not an assistant at Duke, yeah. not an assistant at North Carolina, at Kansas, at Kentucky. A blue blood job is calling about Tommy Lloyd. It's hard for you to say no it's when nice. it's so perfect. Yeah. You know, it's such a perfect fit. Like if you told me, you know, even like Indiana, I would have been like, I just don't think it's a good fit. I, I like are you really getting. Really like there's a geographical, you know, not a geographical match, not a terrific place to live, Bloomington, Indiana. Are you really getting international kids that are like fascinated by wanting to go play in uh, Bloomington? You know, <laughs> like Tucson, Arizona, you, you may be, you know, good weather, close to LA, close to Vegas, you may be able to get guys to come, but um, yeah. So yeah, I, like, and again, Indiana's a great job, but this is a, this is I think a perfect, perfect fit for Tommy Lloyd, um, and a great fit for Arizona. Um, it's it, it's a risk, but it's a risk worth taking um, if if you're Arizona. Um, shout out to Tommy Lloyd. Uh, you know, also, it's, it's funny. Congratulations I've, on this job. Yeah, we've seen this former player thing buoy in college basketball i've long wondered is there a chance that john stockton would replace mark few and it always it never made any sense because he had tommy Lloyd. Mm-hmm. but now that the succession plan has been muddied i mean you know do they just stick it do you, do you just stick with an assistant and say we probably just because i, mean, I, I just don't know i mean great they've got this thing I mean, they got a really good staff, but I mean, Lloyd's been the only is the only guy with any name recognition on the staff. So I like right. I'm sure another assistant could could probably do it, and I'm sure they're great. And few you know loves his staff, but I'd be like, who the hell is this guy? Right. But so I, mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, the problem with Stockton, Stockton is I mean no, I mean was nope. he he coaches like high school I think he coached high school girls I want to say. Yeah, I think he does. Um, so he's coaching. And I mean, he's John Stockton. He's John you know, Stockton, like, but I mean, does, I don't know if he knows anything about like recruiting or anything. But like, right. I mean, in terms of <laughs> in terms of knowing how to knowing basketball, like he like, yeah, he, he'd be fine. Uh, he was an NBA, you know, <laughs> starting NBA point guard, all star NBA point guard for twenty years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to me, that that like, that's that's, 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 that's going to be a very weird job. I mean, we don't know when it's going to be open, but. Like, whenever it's open, Lloyd's going to be a candidate. Like, whether he takes it is, is on him, but he's going to be a candidate. I, I mean, I think I don't think there'll be sour grapes in this. So if, if the Lloyd not, thing not, does not, not At least not when this, at least not when, whenever that whole plays out. Like, maybe maybe there are sour if, grapes if, now, but not, not in the future. The, the one scenario that I haven't seen presented is what if the Tommy Lloyd thing doesn't work? It's a bomb. Does Gonzaga go back to it? I think it depends on what doesn't right. work. I think it depends. Right. I think there are certain things, like I mean, I don't know, is he, is he, is he caught cheating or something crazy? Like I mean, no, no, no. Bring him back. I'm assuming I mean, like they just did not form a team. They they fire, you know. No, I think he's still. Man, I, I think he's. I think he still will be a top candidate. Right. And they'll just be like, the, he, the, the, he he's got he's part of the family. Like that's like whatever happened in Arizona. That's not on him. 
I think that's how they will see it. Like, because I, I look at it like Duke, see it, like, I think he will definitely be a candidate. Like similar to Duke, like I mean, Chris Collins was like Tommy Lloyd at Duke for a long time. People thought oh, Chris Collins was going to replace Coach K, but he didn't want to wait ten years, fifteen years mm-hmm. to get a coaching job, so he decided I'm going to go to Northwestern, and the Northwestern thing hasn't worked. I mean, he's still there because it's Northwestern, but you know, it hasn't worked. Now, no one thinks he's gonna he's gonna replace Coach K. But, and they, like they couldn't because it, it hasn't worked. Same with Wojo, you know, at, at Marquette, he got fired. Like he's never gonna replace Coach K now, you know. So that that's that's how it looks. That, that's that's why I'm asking. You know, I think I think also the pressure is different. Like those are pressure packed jobs. Gonzaga is not a pressure packed job. Like if they don't win, nobody yeah. cares. Like they're just losing all of a sudden. Like I mean, you know, the fan base is the fan base. Like it's a it's a very Great fan base. Expectations have grown, of course, yeah. And expectations are high, but, like, I guess what I'm saying is it's not a Kentucky or a Duke fan base where they're coming for your head right. if you're losing. I think losing, And also, just, like, you're losing. It's the just, amount of sucks. interest in the job is not going to be the same. Like, Duke could literally hire almost anybody. And I, I feel like the bar him. is just different. Like, like yeah. you go to Gonzaga, like we just mentioned, it's harder to win. It's harder to be great at Arizona than to be great at Gonzaga. Yeah. Like, at least within your conference. I mean, maybe you say, okay, yeah, Gonzaga possibly. trying to get to the yeah, Final exactly. Four or championship versus Arizona just making the tournament. Maybe that's a little more even. But, like, it, you know, so so to me, like, with Lloyd, it's like, okay, let's say he goes back to Gonzaga. Okay, they're not going to the Final Four every year, but they're winning the, pack, the West Coast Conference still, and they're winning 25 games a year. They're not going to get rid of him. Like, they, it's just different. Desire Jones job is a higher is a higher degree of difficulty. So I to me like and and, and as a fan I would I wouldn't I mean I don't know because I didn't I wouldn't have seen how bad the Arizona years were, but I wouldn't be tripping if Lloyd got the job. I don't expect this job to be like something that like when it comes open the hot the best hot coach is gonna take. That's not how I expect this to go. I expect it to be a Tommy Lloyd or a mid major guy. That's fully what I expect because nobody wants to follow. The legend, because that's what you're going to be doing with with what's name. Uh, an assistant will follow, but not some guy from another school. Also, last thing on Gonzaga, or, you're not going to get you're you not going to get like a, you're not going to get what's the name like you know this is a you couldn't give anyway. We're not going to get Dana Altman or something like that. You know like right, right. We're we're sitting here on April fifteenth. You're probably listening to this on April sixteenth, and Jalen Suggs hasn't announced what he's doing yet. Are you are you are are you, are you uh has your interest been peaked yet? Yeah, I, yeah, it has for me personally. It has. I mean, I'm not. I know Duke I, fans I, were getting I, antsy about Matthew Hurt. And he finally announced, but there was a there was a segment of Duke fans that are like, "All right, I mean, he still hasn't announced anything. I mean, right. what's going on? Is he coming back?" Now like, look, like the Gonzaga had a very long season, so their season right. ended literally last week. Yeah. So you know, Hurt's season ended months like a month ago. So yeah, plenty yeah. of time. So that was a little weird that there was no, there wasn't more conversation there, but. uh in regards to um, what's the name, yeah, I, I think that Jalen seemed like a candidate that was definite. Like, you know, as soon as this whole thing squares itself away, and he'll declare. And we all expected that. Uh, Joel, Joel Ayayi is already declared. Um, Ayayi, you know. So, you know, so we're like, okay. And Ayayi was like, we weren't 100% sure. <laughs> So yeah, he's gone, but nothing from Jalen Suggs. I mean, you know, makes you think. I, I think he will be gone. I'm not expecting him to be back. 
But uh, you asked I told me you, question I mean, being. I told you on. The question yeah, being, is the, the question being, is the, is the intrigue peaked? Yes. Do I think it's going to mean anything? No. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I told you on on championship night that Dino's Trigonus mm-hmm. runs the Pangos All-American camp. was putting it out there that, you know, don't be surprised if, if Suggs comes back. And it seemed like, it seemed nuts. I mean, he's getting killed on Twitter. And he just kept he just kept pushing back, saying, all right. Mm-hmm. Then you just don't know Dino Suggs if you think that there's zero chance he's coming back. So, all right. Yeah. I haven't heard anything from Chet Holmgren yet, but you know, you wonder yeah, if there's an announcement. Like Chet has even said when he's gonna commit. Like, what the, what's he doing? Yeah, man. Look, man, this is it reminds me of the Jalen Green thing, which is why you know I I I'd be a little concerned. But um, but yeah, yeah assuming he plays college basketball, and yeah, it, you're assuming that it will be at uh at Gonzaga. But yeah, I don't know what the deal with with, with Chet Holmgren is. The word is Minnesota is still trying to get in there. That's with, uh, their new coach, but whether or not, I mean, with a with a month that they can they can convince him, I can't imagine. I can't see. Like, yeah, I can't see that happening. I can't based see off what Gonzaga did this season, and based off Minnesota, be having yeah. I mean, be nothing. Yeah, what no. Michigan accomplished, like I Ohio. Think. I mean, Ohio State lost the first round. They were two seed. You know. Yeah, and they're going to be a strong team next year. There's, I cannot see him picking Minnesota over those schools. Memphis won the NIT. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, shout out to Ben Johnson. Uh, shout out to Ben him. Johnson, yeah. Room for him. But but, I, yeah, someone someone pointed out, you know, about the Lloyd thing or, or how many black coaches are getting their first job, uh, you know, at a power school. I mean, Ben Johnson is one of them. So, you yeah. know, shout out to Ben Johnson. Uh, the Mike Boyden thing worked. That was another one, you know. So, yeah. hopefully – I, again, I think that this should be a trend in, in college basketball more so in general, you know. Um, I think that we these teams, so so often they hire mid-major coaches. When to me, like, I, I, I'm more intrigued by, if I'm a Power 5 school, a guy who knows the ins and outs of success at the Power 5 level or just at the, at the, at the major level, if you're like Tommy Lloyd, I mean, because I have basically a Power 5 program. Like, then I am about, you know, getting a guy from a, a mid-major school and hoping that, like, he could now thrive at a completely di- in a completely different environment. I agree like, you know, like, Cincinnati just hired Wes Miller. People were talking about North Carolina hiring Wes Miller. Like, coach at UNC Greensboro. And, look, people, I mean, claim that he's, you know, the next coming of John Kyle Perry or something. Maybe he is, but... I've seen millions of West Millers not work. Look at Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart got to Texas from VCU is a completely different situation. Now I'm not saying Shaka Smart won't work won't work at Marquette, but he's a bad coach. He did a fine job at Texas, but it's it's a different it's a different situation. So I don't know, you know. And again, there's for every Shaka Smart, you know, there's a Jeff Capel who's been decent. At Pitt, but hasn't been hasn't lit the world on fire. So it goes both ways. But I, I'm more akin to thinking that I think assistants like Archie Miller was a very good coach, in part because he he had been an assistant at the Power Five level for so long. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my college basketball rank. Uh, just last thing, real quick um, on on uh, Justin Fields. He um, had his second pro day. Niners were there. All things considered, seemed to go great. He uh, scripted the plays himself. 
uh, uh, sort of the, you know, the, the throws and the, and the session himself, which he wanted everybody to know. And he also elected to, one, run a lot of heavy West Coast stuff, which is supposed to be kind of a nod to what the Niners like to do, obviously, with Shanahan. And decided to throw to a pair of freshman wide receivers to also make a point of, I guess, to show he could throw to anybody. And <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't know, with the knock that, you know, oh, he's, he, yeah, but he was throwing to Olave and Wilson, right? It's like. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, yeah, it's not like the guy had, you know, <laughs> Randy Moss and Chad Ocho on, on the outside this year. But, um, right. but yeah, he, he threw to, to freshmen. Uh, and I feel like the, the momentum, I feel, I don't know if it, I don't know if we're not being bullied into this because, I mean, I feel like Twitter doesn't understand it. Really, so, some aspects of Twitter don't understand it, but it feels like the, the, the momentum is swinging back to fields at three. Certainly going to be well, yeah, the, a wild... The, 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 the Vegas moved the, the, the odds back to fields, which, I yeah. mean, it's kind of stupid. I mean, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened to move Mac Jones to three other than just, you know, media reports and John Lynch and Shanahan going to Mac Jones' pro day over Fields, which we thought was important until we realized Fields was doing a second pro day. And Mac Jones, that was his that was his second pro day. And they hadn't gone to his first one. So, you know, in hindsight it wasn't that wasn't that important, yeah, which is why I think you realized. They made, and also they made the trade that week when they went or the week after week before. Like it was it was like Right, they know, made the trade yeah. Yeah, made exactly. the trade, then you go see Mac Jones. People jumped it. Right. So you make it it makes yeah, it makes you seem like, oh, it was very urgent that he had to go see Mac Jones. Um, all this stuff may have been worked out prior, you know, mm-hmm. like prior to even the trade, they probably, it, they may have known that Fields is doing two pro days, but yeah, I mean, clearly the, 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 the media narrative, well, I don't even say the media narrative, but just the, 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 the feeling around the league has been that there is some buzz around this Fields to the Niners thing. I don't, I don't know if I said it on our show, but I've been saying all week uh in, in conversations with our with our brother Shamari that I would still be shocked to Niners draft to Mac Jones at three. And I know that, you know, that he was the favorite, you know, at, for <laughs> all intents and purposes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Like <laughs> he was the guy. But it just it still to me just doesn't make sense. And there are very few things in sports when it comes to the draft or just decision making where I say like this just doesn't make sense. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, when you're talking about the Niners moving up all of those spots to get Mac Jones, it just doesn't click, given just value. Like, did you think... I, I like I understand the Niners might not have been able to get Mac Jones at 12. You know, there was word the Panthers had worked with Mac Jones at the Senior Bowl, that they, that they liked him. Once the Niners made that trade, that's when the Panthers made the move for Darnold. Um, maybe Mac Jones is the guy they wanted. Denver might be in on a quarterback. Maybe they would have drafted Mac Jones. But why did you have to move all the way up to three? Because clearly the Eagles were willing to move down at, at number six. You could have made a trade with the Eagles. I mean, did you think the Eagles were going were gonna to draft Mac Jones? Uh, because you could have made a trade with Detroit at seven. The, the Dolphins aren't going to draft Mac Jones. The Falcons may draft a quarterback. Do you really think it was going to be Mac Jones? And then at five, the Cincinnati Bengals aren't drafting a quarterback. So, like, the only thing I think of is that they were worried that some of these other teams were going to trade up. Right, we're going to move up to get Mac Jones, which right. is yeah. then it, it, and then and it goes I guess back that, and to I guess more four, teams. Yeah, but then that just goes to more teams that 
like that doesn't make any sense for any of these yeah. teams. But like, I mean, again, unless there was this bidding war for Mac Jones in, in like in private around the league that no one knows about, like, but you know, if that's not if that's not the case, then they're bidding against themselves and they were overbidding. Yeah, well, the also guys the issue made too. Yep. Also, the issue may be, you know, they may see Atlanta at four and just feel like I don't want to get the third best guy or the guy who they think is the third best guy. Right, you or know, fourth best and, guy, whatever the number is. I'm lost. So yeah, fourth, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't even think of I don't even think of Trevor Lawrence in the class of these other guys. But yeah, <laughs> I don't want I don't want the fourth best guy. So so they felt like right. Atlanta was the prerequisite. Like they had to get above at least Atlanta to ensure that that wasn't the case. I'm sure you even and get it. Yeah, and I think that that's just, and I think that's the line of thinking. But which is why I'm like, I don't think they would do that for Mac Jones, because yeah, because I don't know if the consensus is that Mac Jones again, again, maybe just the consensus around the league is way different than the consensus for like anyone with eyes that watches football or like the media that like Mac Jones wasn't going to Atlanta, like, so I don't know. You know, again. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's been the whole conversation is, you know, and I saw, you know, shout out to Lamayne Jones. He keeps saying, like, you know, like, it, it, like if you traded all these picks for a guy who then, you know, maybe criticized Mac Jones, you say, well, he might not play next year. It's like, how do you trade all these picks for a guy that you don't even want to put on the field? Uh, like, it's 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 a great question, you know. Um, I feel There's like nothing not, about Mac Jones that screams developmental quarterback. No. It just, like, if you told me Fields, look, I think Fields is good enough to step in day one and, like, win football games for an NFL team. But if you told me, like, there are things we want to work on, we love his talent level, but we're fine with him sitting for a year with Jimmy G, and, like, by year two he's going to be a monster, I'm fine with that. If you told me Trey Lance, he only started 12 games, I mean, I can tell you Mac Jones also only started one season, but, like, you told me he only started 12 games, Small school, guys has to get ready for the speed of the NFL. We you know we're gonna sit him early on. I'm fine with that as well. You know, but both those guys are very toolsy traits kinds of players. Big arm, athletic. Mac Jones is none of that. Mac Jones is a, a in theory, high floor, low ceiling player. Yeah. Like you kind of know what you're gonna get, but you know, like he's like Daniel Jones. Daniel yeah. Jones, we knew was gonna play fairly early on. Because we knew there wasn't much of a ceiling there. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. I think, think, like I said, it goes back to that question of... um, I think there's a fundamental question, as I said, of, like, you know... Are you, like... Because I think there's this, like... I think there is a disconnect between some people, some media people with some fans with, like, you're trading all the way up for a guy who, like, you're going to keep Jimmy G and you're not going to... And you're going to sit him, like, well, the guy can't all be all that good. And... I'll be honest. I don't. I think that might be old man thinking because, you know, it's a copycat league. When people see success somewhere else, they want to do the same thing. So yeah, they see Pat Mahomes had a year and then came back and was the MVP. So yeah, maybe there's something the there. Lamar Jackson did that also. Yeah, yeah. Lamar Jackson sat and then the last two MVPs came into know, the, came in like came in late in the season and was a lightning rod. Like so. Yeah. Like maybe we our guy is there. He has to free. So I, I I don't like I don't know if it's smart, but like I don't think this idea that oh a guy can't be that they they must not think a guy's that good because they gotta sit him next year. I think that people they, it could be the opposite. People could feel excited like great like we could actually develop a guy in a year who look like Pat Mahomes. It's ridiculous, but this again it's a copycat <laughs> league. This is how things work in the NFL. 
So I do think when it, when people have these conversations, I think that there's a disconnect there. Like, oh, they're, they're trading this. They trade all the way up, but they're gonna keep Jimmy G. They must think that the guy they get isn't actually that good, and therefore they shouldn't have made all these moves. Maybe that's true, but that's, it's not because they don't think the guy can play. I think that they're they're probably really excited about one of these guys, but they think they're gonna get another Patrick Mahomes situation. Whether they do or not, uh, it's like a ninety nine percent chance that won't happen because there's just very little Patrick Pat Mahomes. But that uh, that I think could be some of the thinking there. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, I, Justin Fields has been top three quarterback to me. It, to me, there's been three guys, and then there's been Lance, kind of like in the mix because the physical right. traits are undeniable. And then and then Matt Jones has been a clear fifth. That's how I've seen it since the beginning of all of this, since we started really zeroing in on who the quarterbacks are. So, I mean, I saw, um, I'm watching, I was watching something yesterday, uh, some NFL thing. I think it was, uh, NFL. I was watching NFL Network, and somebody had Mac Jones as the 32nd best player in the, in the draft. And they're talking about him at number yeah, three. I don't know if that's Jeremiah or the book Brooks, but yeah, it's one of them. Has, one of them has him at thirty-two. I'm just like, what are we yeah. talking about here? The thirty-second best player you're going to draft at number three, and you traded away all these picks for him. Yeah, and like that's, I just can't. I I agree with Richard Sherman. I cannot see that. I, I don't know how it's not right. Justin Fields. And that's why I went on my rant that I went on a couple weeks ago. Yeah, because again, I I, I like Jan Jeremiah. I think he's a very good scout. I think he's a very good I TV guy. Um, I but I think. It's not just him. It's just, you know, we're starting. Again, we're starting to see the people that are reacting the same way I did. But like, for a long time, there, you know, there was this thing. And I know people don't like to just knock the 49ers, assuming that the 49ers, like, again, I don't think they're drafting Mac Jones. So that's you know, take that mm-hmm. with a grain of salt. But like, if they were to draft Mac Jones, they should be called out for drafting a guy that, if you're Jeremiah and you have him thirty second on your board, that's a that's mistake. It. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, bad a bad pick, pick. right? You know, like this bad value. That's just, everything's wrong with that. You know, like there is, like to me, there is no this. Well, he's the thirty second best player in the draft. He's the fifth best quarterback. But you know, scheme fit and you know, <laughs> right, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, that, yeah. like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. There's yeah. there no sport. There's no sport where drafting the thirty second best player in the draft at number three is a good idea. I gotta like, tell you what, Kendall. If I if I was playing Madden. And I'm and I'm doing a franchise. I do the NFL. If I do, yeah. and I do my scout thing, and I, dra- I pick a player, now the number three pick, and they tell and me fit. the real they tell me the real value of him was thirty two. <laughs> I'm gonna get an F for that pick. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> <have> to. <laughs> They're gonna say, man, you really overreached for this pick, dog. <laughs> That's what they're gonna tell me. Yeah, it, it ain't Rocky Science. Even yeah. Madden knows that. Yeah, to me, I mean, like. And again, when all these GMs tell you every every time we say this during our NBA draft coverage, you know they'll tell you we only draft the best player available. Right. We don't think about fit, need, or anything. We only draft who are the best players. Like I can tell you what a shadow of a doubt, Mac Jones is not the third best player in the draft. No way. That, like, that's how I feel. I mean, yeah, I could, we could be wrong, but no way. So, and again, I. To me, I'm not as even as upset with the Niners as I because the Niners are their own team. They, right, they, they have their own they evaluation. Want. And they may have them at number three. Who else? Yeah, they, they may have them at number three. They may be right. But I want the media to call it straight. Right. Like, call it straight. Call it what it is. This is a bad – I won't even say a bad pick, but this is bad value for where he should be going. Based on yeah, based off of their evaluations. Yeah, and based on what they're saying. Like, if, 
If you, yes. you know, and to be fair, like when I mentioned the NFL Network thing, like Jeremiah wasn't on; it was someone else talking about Match in the Three, right. and they put up that you know Jeremiah is thirty second best player. I'm like, right. what are we doing here? <laughs> talking about this guy at three, and they're putting up a lower third that says, you know, <laughs> Daniel Jones. I mean, Mac Jones is ranked thirty uh, number thirty two amongst draft players on uh, Jeremiah's big board. I'm like, oh my god. And I get it, you know, quarterbacks is more value there. I, I get all that, but it, again, it's just and again, but then he's like he's the fifth best quarterback. Yeah, but so then, then how does the fifth right. best quarterback? So quarterback? yeah, so so if 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 they go with that pick, and I know I I want to see I'm gonna look at these big boards very closely. Like I want to see, I, I want to see the run Niners get raked through the coals. Yeah, for taking that, the that, consensus that, that people for the fifth best quarterback is ridiculous. Yeah, that that there were two other quarterbacks left that people, most people think is better. I don't want to see any excuses, which is what we've been seeing. I don't want to see any, any uh, you know, well, false narr- yeah, false equivalencies. I don't hear none of that. If they draft Mac Jones at number three, when most media prognosticators, when it comes to NFL draft, are saying he's the fifth best guy, then there needs to be a lot of questions marks about what the 49ers are doing. I agree with you. I don't think that that's where they will go. I think that they will go with Fields. Um, I don't know why this Jones. Well, we kind of talked about why this Jones thing caught fire, but I'll be honest. My theory. Well, here's the thing, I, and I do think, and I do think that like they they probably work. Like seriously, considering and evaluating Jones, I just feel like once they finish that evaluation, there's no way they'll end up with Mac Jones. That's right. How I felt. I felt like if you, yeah, fine. If you're in a position where you're going to move up, and now you're like, okay, we know a quarterback is going to be who we're going to take. Who are the guys that are going to be left? Those are the three top guys. I think everybody feels like those are the three top guys. What they right say now. about pro days. Or that, you know, people argue how important or how important are pro days. Typically, they're not super important, but if they weren't important, they wouldn't go. So the Niners yeah. went to Mac Jones's pro day, and they went to Justin Fields' second pro day. And we didn't see Fields' second pro day. We saw his first one, uh, and we saw two of Mac Jones's. And Fields, I mean, had a better pro day. And again, I'm not using that to say that. That's who they should draft. But if you're saying that there was anything that they could that they can be convinced by, it would have been convinced. They would have been more convinced by Fields, I would imagine, or Lance, either one of those two guys. He's also having a second pro day as well than Mac Jones. You know, mm-hmm. uh, also, I mean, to me, like when I look at what the 49ers are going to do, like I, I ultimately, I think that this is going to come down to. Um, again, you don't trade up for Mac Jones, uh, but also like you have Jimmy Garoppolo on the team. And if you are making a deal to acquire a quarterback, again, unless you think Jimmy Garoppolo is like, the, just you can't win with the guy. And, you know, like there's different levels of quarterbacks that you have a can't win with, you know, tier of quarterbacks. You could have a, a you know, a win in spite of tier of quarterbacks, or you can have a win with tier of quarterbacks. Or win because of that's the best guys in the league. If if unless you think Jimmy Garoppolo, I can't win with him. I he might be a win in spite of guy. You may not like that. Do you really think that Mac Jones is going to be a win because of or a win with guy? Like he's he's he, the way the style of play is very similar to Jimmy Garoppolo. So <laughs> unless you think again, unless you think you can't win with Jimmy Garoppolo, why would you draft a guy who's in the same ballpark of a player as Jimmy Garoppolo. When Lance and Fields open up another dimension that your team doesn't currently have. 
which is a quarterback who can stretch the ball down the field with high-level arm talent and can also beat you with their legs. Mac Jones can't do that. Jimmy Roppel can't do that. But mm-hmm. Justin and Trey Lance can. So that, that to me is like, it's not a rocket science. Why? They're not going to draft Mac Jones. But, you know, again, I, I, I could be proven wrong just based off of the Niners fumbling this thing. And I've always thought John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to be smart executives and, and a smart head coach. So, I, you know, I, that's well, why. Look, I, time was out. We, we, we talk about all this, but at the end of the day, like, it, all that matters is the pick they make. It don't matter who they looked at, what they considered, yeah. what they were thinking, if they changed their mind. Like, it all matters is who's the name on that card when Goodell goes up to the podium and reads it to us, the fans, and the audience. So, And, look, we've been surprised before. And, I remember, and, and all that matters is if it's the guy turns out to be good. Even that, even the name doesn't really matter. It's, this what reminds do? me, this is eerily similar to the Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins thing. You know, um, the Dwayne Haskins thing didn't make any sense. I didn't love Dwayne Haskins coming out of the draft. I, I, you know, I thought Drew Locke was better. I liked Kyler Murray, number one. Um, but, you know, to me, like, like that was a situation where drafting Daniel Jones at number six over Dwayne Haskins seemed incredulous. I mean, I was incredulous. It seemed, it seemed unacceptable. And, I mean, I like, I mean, Daniel Jones isn't exactly great, but you know, he's been better than Dwayne Haskins so far. If you're asking me to pick one long term, I'd probably pick Daniel Jones, but I still don't even know if that's a slam dunk because I feel like if Haskins can figure it out, he might still actually have more talent. But regardless, like this, I mean, I was surprised by that one. So it doesn't mean that this one is a slam dunk that, you know, there's no way Mac Jones is, uh, no way Mac Jones is going, can't go number three. But, um, yeah, to me, like, I mean, there's a lot of, there, there's been a lot of, I mean, this draft is all over the place in terms of, you know, you have Devontae Smith as the Heisman Trophy winner. He might not go in the top 10. You know, Penny Sewell was seen last year, you know, as a generational tackle, didn't play all season, and now he might not go in the top 10. Jamar Chase might go to the Bengals at five, even though you would think the way Joe Burrow was running for his life last year, they would get you know, a, a tackle like any tool. But apparently Joe Burrow wants Jamar Chase. And so Joe Burrow wants Jamar Chase. We're trying to protect you by getting Penny Sewell, but yeah. you really want Jamar Joe Burrow's, Chase. Joe Burrow's brain may want uh, <laughs> Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow's brain arm may want Jamar Chase, but I'm sure his legs and his, his body would prefer. <laughs> yeah, his back. Probably. Yeah, probably would prefer some more protection on that front line. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to me, like, that that that's the one where I mean, look, if they draft Jamar Chase, we'll probably get into that more next week or in the week after. But you know, I, I mean that 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 just seems like bad value. You know, when you have other receivers on your team uh, and you have a chance to get a, a tackle who's not guys tackle left tackles like Panty Sewell don't just grow on trees. You know, like not saying receiver like Jamar Chase do because he's a, he's going to be drafted in the top ten, but like. You know, I mean, Justin Jefferson was a late first round pick. You know, you can find great players like that in the in the late first round, second round. So, yeah, I won't get into that uh, until we dive more into that. But yeah, uh, this is this will be exciting. Uh, but you can book it that Justin Fields or Trey Lance are going number three. There you have it. That'll do it for this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Of course, 
you enjoy these podcasts, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn is where you'll find the shows. Also, catch our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow us individually on social media as well. Um, uh, I'm at EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Instagram, Action EJ. Kendall can be found on Twitter at New Gen Ken. Thank you guys so much again for checking this out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.